The podcast you're about to listen to is part of the Professional Casual Network. To find more podcasts like this, please check out professionalcasual.com. The Professional Casual Network has gear. Check out teespring.com slash store slash professional casual for fresh new swag. Also, every month we're going to be giving away any one item to a Patreon backer at the $5 tier or above. Check out patreon.com slash professional casual for more information. Also, a special thanks to Built Bar for sponsoring the show. To get 10% off your order and to help support the show, use code PROFESSIONALCASUAL at checkout or use the link in the show notes. Welcome to The Space Between on the Professional Casual Network. We are continuing our coverage of Season 2 of the Amazon series The Boys. I am your host, Tim... I'm actually going to be emotionally destroyed when Lucky dies on the Grim Podcast of Paralytics Adventure France. And joining me tonight is my friend and yours, host of the Grim Podcast of Perilous Adventure and Big Fiction Energy here on the Professional Casual Network. It's Dan Cole. Hello. Also joining us is the host of the Carton Cast and FancyBat.com and resident guy that, you know, actually read the comics. It's Ben Relaford. That's true. Lastly, a very special guest, my favorite boy, the star and only person worth mentioning from Wreck My Podcast, it's Craiger. Well, hello, everybody. Uh, ben, I'm really hoping that perhaps you might have a uh, out-of-context comic book uh, Oh, twist my arm, oh, Tim. please, please Very do. Very well. So, today's out-of-context moment for the graphic novels is... The one time that Huey punched a hole through a super named the Blarney Cock, who had a hamster up his ass, who became <laughs> Huey's pet. <laughs> that just kept getting better. Every line of that improved on the last. Oh, man. That was amazing. That was, that You're was... welcome. <laughs> what did he name the hamster? Jamie. Oh. <laughs> but that's a people name. He's a name. sweet boy. He's not going to name it something fucking weird. <laughs> So, uh, we open up episode four with a woman named Olive uh, giving a talk about her relationship with someone and how they were going to have kids and kind of alludes to that, you know, he that was a surprise to him and um, their relationship ended. Uh, seems a little bit out of nowhere. Uh, and we cut right to Frenchie crushing up a pill with his knife and snorting it. Right. Totally out of yeah. nowhere. So what's what's everyone's thoughts on literally the first four seconds of this with no context? Is this <laughs> I, I my, thought I had forgotten a main character. Is this honestly? Frenchies? But like when the second time it happened, I was like, oh, OK, it's a framing device. I got it. Yeah. Um, well, in in the first couple seconds, I'm like, did I click on the wrong show? Right. <laughs> right. Uh, she mentions looking up a 529 plan, which is incredibly important, but not as important as it used to be. Is a tax deferred account for children to save for education expenses where you don't have Aww, to pay taxes on the um, on the money that you put into it or on the gains of the account, as long as it's used for educational purposes, which don't necessarily need to be higher learning. It could be a card to get to school or a laptop or um, an OnlyFans for a film student um <laughs> hear more about it on uh, when tim france talks more on the uh the motley fool yeah uh, on, on that podcast <laughs> um frenchie joins kamiko who has kind of regressed a little bit is is sitting under the table watching tv kind of like we saw her for a lot of season one uh watching a newscast um about her brother kenji uh who's being really vilified on the news uh, as a dead-eyed murderous psychopath uh kamiko is obviously upset by this um, she's kind of 
not weeping, but you see the tear rolling down her face. Frenchie comes up, looks like he's going to, you know, just, you know, try to be a friend. Uh, and then goes for a kiss. Oh, like a fucking cringe. asshole. Yeah. I, I fucking hated this. Because, um, like, we we uh, talked about it a couple times in, in the past few episodes of how, like, the way I'm reading, and maybe this is not your read of it, but the way I've been reading his character is that, like, he's got some shit that he's dealing with, and he thinks that, like, the best way to deal with his own shit is to help someone else out. And little context from the comics, uh, there's... They do have a relationship of sorts. It's not physical. It's not sexual. It's one where like Frenchie has a lot of violent impulses, but he's sort of mastered them. And he sees in Kimiko something that uh, he sees in himself and is like, oh, this is a kindred spirit. I need to be I need to be this person's, you know, this this person's rock. Um, so mm. their relationship is at its core the same. I just I hate that they put a sexual part in there. Well, and it, although maybe it's part of Frenchie's character and that works, I'm, I'm not sure yet. Maybe we'll just need to see more. Well, and, and hopefully it was just a he didn't know how to help in that situation. So he just and he was high as fuck. Right. Yeah, that's that's very true. Not that I'm that's saying not, that that's that, not the greatest that does, excuse. No. Yeah, it doesn't yeah, excuse that, that, that what he did. It. I think it explains. Right. Yes. Yes. <laughs> like, like it didn't count. I was high. <laughs> didn't mean anything. Yeah. <laughs> didn't even happen not defending him just saying <laughs> my my socks were on the lights were on <laughs> i mean wapner was playing on the tv you know it was just i i didn't mean it uh so look yes the car geez. is totaled but i was high at the time so did it really get totaled <laughs> <laughs> that does sound like something he would do so uh, we cut to Homelander, who's watching a news bit uh, about Stormfront saving the day. Um, features a, a clip of Stormfront kind of heralding a call to action, saying Vought uh, doesn't do shit. She's been bringing up these problems forever, and people keep getting hurt, and it's Vought's fault. Why and did we they? Need to all why did they together. hire her? Right? Yeah, um, I don't get how they <laughs> let her do this. And she just kind of continues on this, like, well, they're gonna have a. a everyone needs to be their own hero and we're going to have protests and it's going to be, be a whole big thing. Um, I don't get what the fuck Stormfront's doing here. Uh, yeah, why so, they're tolerating it. And right? controls the news, why they're giving it airtime as well, unless it is obviously for some, there's gotta be some kind of long purpose. game here that we, we just don't yeah. know what yeah. the end game of I that is guess. yet. I have a, I have a flimsy guess based on the rest of this, uh, this episode, which is that like um, Vought is using her to coax Homelander away from his like fantasy dad job and back toward the seven, like to get him to take things seriously to. So like he's now threatened and that's going to pull him back from somewhere else. And that's why Vought is giving it the OK. Mm. That's it might, might not be the case, but that's the best I could do. I, I don't know. I kind of feel like their their plan is much more diabolical than just that. Like, I feel like. That might be a uh, part of it, but I feel like they have a much deeper, darker, like sinister. Do you like rebranding with Vought or you want you think Stormfront wants to turn Vought into like this edgy, grim, dark, dark ages comic kind of facility instead of the Silver Age one? I have no idea what they're trying to do. I'm just all like they, they have just some bad stuff. And I feel like it's not just Homelander based. Like, I feel like it's really like, I don't know. 
I'm so confused. Like, I feel like they could do anything they want now. Like, <laughs> this might be a little yeah. too introspective, but I've had to have the conversation before with uh, people in positions of authority to me to be like, listen, you need to stop complimenting me. You need to make me constantly feel like I'm going to be replaced at any minute because that is when I perform the best. So this could be one of those situations where they're just like, you know what? Home, home front needs to. Uh, home Homeliner. <laughs> so celebrity front. couple name. That's the couple name. Yeah. The, let's get ahead of it. Uh, <laughs> Homelander just needs to step up his game, so we need to bring in some competition. So you know what I mean? He gets that that spark back. And uh, Stormlander. Stormlander. <laughs> uh, Stor- Stormlight is going to have a real real problem with that. Um, he gets a li- gets a little upset here, Homelander, and he takes off to like a remote cabin in the woods. Um, I love how he's like when he's like watching all the press coverage. You see his leg is just constantly tapping on the floor, and he just like he's just like upset. He's just like like the the idea that Superman is just like scrolling through Twitter, just being upset. It's just very yeah. funny to me. Like he knows he's going to be angry by watching this, but yet he continues to sit there. Mm-hmm. I was kind of hoping to see some like Kylo Ren level tantrums. So yes, <laughs> I would have been. Yeah. Well, that happened. That. that does happen. Um, so he he takes off, fucks off to the woods to this like really nice cabin in the middle of nowhere, and as he walks in, fucking Madeline Stillwell walks oh out my God. in a nighty with a glass full of milk and <laughs> fingers the glass of milk and starts putting it in his fucking mouth. It's this really fucking oh creepy God. scene. It's also like, well, how what the fuck happening? is this going on? What is going uh, on? Is he hallucinating? Marty, Go for it. Marty McFly is going to be pissed. Oh, for real. <laughs> so we don't know if this is a hallucination, if this is a clone. I was like, oh, well, Ben told us on the last episode that Black Noir is a clone of Homelander. Maybe they're going a different route and they cloned uh, Madeline Stillwell instead. That was my thought. There was a clone or yeah. like a hologram. Yeah. And then, but then she started like putting the milk in his mouth and I was like, well, that, that can't be a hologram. Yeah, super so, inefficient way to get yeah. liquids into someone else's but, orifice, by the way. Completely. But it could be him imagining it, which is what I at first thought was the case. Because he, you know, we've seen him grieving over the death of Madeline, yeah. even though he's the one who did it. <laughs> right. You know, like I, you know, it, that which is that's fair like you know it she she did him wrong and he had to take her down and like i don't have any real problem with that because they're both monsters and i don't apply regular morality to them (laughs) but like the idea that you know she was special to him and even though he was the cause of her death that he's still struggling with it made sense to me and like this just seemed like one more thing one more thing past the point of sanity yeah uh, that he just kind of just emphasizes how much of a lonely child he is he's just constantly in need of that mother figure and when one doesn't actually exist he invents one that's that's kind of how it looked to me seems super in character like, yeah, yeah. Like, I, I think that's one of the things is like it was such good storytelling because like you could plausibly believe that's a clone or that's like a hallucination like I, I had both of those options i was like i don't know which one it is it's gotta be one of them like i knew she couldn't be alive because you know i don't know about you guys but like getting you know, like lasers through your eyes is kind of like a big deal right it's hard to be alive without a brain yeah just ask the Tin Man. But without, you know, like a physical brain. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> and obviously the truth is far, far hotter than that. Oh, yes, it is. Yes, it is. Um, <laughs> so we cut over to the East Park Memorial where uh, Billy Butcher is meeting up with Mallory. Um, and the East Park Memorial is kind of a makeshift memorial uh, in remembrance of all the fucking people that Stormfront annihilated. Uh, she's. <laughs> 
Mallory talks. Uh, excuse me. A super terrorist did that. Oh, that's right. Ken, yo, that, that dude, Kenji. Bite your tongue, sir. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not paid off by Vought. Um, I thought it was Voight. <laughs> it, it was Voight. They went through a rebranding opportunity. Don't say that name. I've been doing so good so far. I'm only was, 10 minutes in. I was going to do that at some point, but I'm glad I'm glad you jumped on that, Craig. Um, so she talks very candidly about this dream that she's had where an audience is watching her at Carnegie Hall. Um, and it's made up of all the people that have been killed by the soups uh, throughout the year. Um and they're just kind of sitting there, like watching her, not saying anything, not doing anything, waiting for her to do something. Uh, I think we get kind of a really good picture that that she feels that she has not fulfilled what she has set out to do. Yeah. There are so few people in this world that they've crafted for us who actually have levers of power against the Seven and Vought. Mm-hmm. So... The idea that you would put that much pressure on yourself to be the one who can do something is it seems very reasonable to me. Like she is yeah. maybe like one of 10 people in in the country who actually actually are actually are able to challenge them in any meaningful way. Well, and I feel like the impression we've gotten from her really character as a whole is that she's really kind of taken the foot off the gas a little bit with what had been um, what seemed to be a, a pretty. uh life-defining uh goal yeah yeah um biller uh, yeah biller <laughs> biller biller biller. Bitchy. biller bitchy uh <laughs> butcher tells her they've hit a wall finding susan rayner's killer uh, she pull uh, mallory pulls out the uh, bud riser ad again uh with liberty on it um and the other information on the back apparently was in fact a address in north carolina uh, apparently, there had been a lot of Liberty stuff on Rayner's computer. Uh, Mallory gives Butcher the address for Becca as well. Um, even though Butcher didn't fulfill his side of the bargain, she gives it to him anyway. And this seems almost like a repentance. I love that line. Yeah. He's like, I didn't oh. I didn't do my part of the deal. And I just when I was watching it, I thought when Ben was saying that he is just so. Everything he does has a very specific purpose and everything like that. And like he just it like didn't compute for him that she was giving this to him, even though he didn't do what they were going to do. Yeah. She has to like use her like kindergarten or teacher voice and being like, it's a gift. Yeah. Just take it. (laughs) I really enjoyed kind of like she's had such a small role, Mm. but like her impact has been huge, but also like her character development and growth, like it culminated in that little scene. It was like, wow, like a lot's like changed and how like, I don't know, like I like the little minute details are throwing in like characters you wouldn't think are that big of a deal. Right. I, I think that her, I think that her, um her role has changed. You know, she was very standoffish with Butcher at the outset and it's because when we met with him, uh, we thought that Becca, Butcher's wife, was more or less just, uh, she, she, she died in the, in, in the, in the, you know, in the firefighter, she, she didn't make it out of the backstory or whatever. And, and like Mallory had her granddaughters die because of this Vought seven shit. So like, I think that she had formerly been looking at butcher, like you are, you are fighting for a person who no longer exists, which is something that I can't personally do anymore. So, like, seeing you do that, it makes me uncomfortable. But, like, now that they both know that Becca is alive, she's like, okay, well, 
if I had my granddaughter, if I knew my granddaughters were alive, I would still be fighting for them. So like the change makes sense given the new information that's come to light. So, yeah, like, yeah. Go ahead. Go, ahead. go, go ahead. for it. Go yeah, like, for it, Craig. One last thing I was going to say was Moving like, on. I, oh man, no. Go no. For it. <laughs> um, the one thing I, I that kind of like threw me off was like I thought when this scene started, I'm like, oh, she's looking at all these things. She's going to like go off on Butcher and say, I'm out, I'm done. See how many people are dying because of your actions. And it went the entirely opposite way of what I thought it was going to go. So initially, in the back of my mind, I was like. If Mallory's really as good as she's been alluded to, there's no way she didn't know Becca was actually dead. She had just used that as information to try to get Butcher on her side. Until, Ben, you said what you said. And if she really didn't know that Becca was alive and is actually giving him this information now, that actually seems completely <laughs> legit. She's like, oh, well, f- mm-hmm. fuck. Okay. I have yeah, to. I'm not going to fight your martyrdom war yeah. for you. But if there's an actual person in the mix, I think that she it, it does. It's consistent with her backstory and the yeah. tragedy of uh, what happened to her granddaughters. Um, so. Switch back over uh, to the to the cabin in the woods, um, Homelander <laughs> and uh, please don't. <laughs> Homelander and Stillwell are uh, watching Taxi Driver, which apparently is a movie. His favorite that movie. Homelander really identifies with. I actually um, read some of the little blurb things that the pop X-ray up. X-ray bits, yeah. I had to keep pausing it because I was at work and I thought someone was coming in my classroom. I was like, oh, I'm not watching the boys while I'm at work. What are you talking about? Back up. It's just porn. It's just porn. <laughs> um, uh, and I, I feel like him really identifying with uh, Robert De Niro's character in Taxi Driver's really telling. I'm going to catch heat for this. I don't, I have not seen Taxi Driver. Same. I haven't either, but <laughs> oh, All right, so give me the, give me the necessary context for Homelander then. Um, so Taxi Driver's about a guy that feels like... Whoa, 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 slow down. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Okay, go ahead. So once again, haven't seen this movie, don't know a lot about it, but my understanding is Taxi Driver is about a gentleman uh, who feels like his place in the world is being slowly stripped away and takes that out very violently against the people who he feels is moving in on the positions in which uh, he used to gain power from. Oh, interesting. Too too topical. Yeah, it might be a little too on the nose. Um, (laughs) So they're sitting there watching this movie on the couch. He puts his head on her lap. Uh, we get another really fucking odd scene where she just kind of reaffirms him as a big boy who deserves all his big boy things. And he's a toddler. He's yeah. just, Doesn't she literally like he's a human, pet his he's an hair adult at toddler. one point? Yeah, she's petting his hair. He's like, well, Stormfront, she thinks she, Madeline, is reaffirming <laughs> him that he's still the leader of the seven. Uh, Homelander is kind of feeling like Stormfront's taking over, that the public doesn't like him anymore, that the Seven don't listen to him. Um, and he's really kind of worried about his validity and his role within the Seven and really as a nation, as as the nation's hope. Um, she continues to just kind of be like, well, no, you're you're better than her. You're bigger, you're stronger, you're tougher, you're, you're smarter. Um, you're my boy. Uh, <laughs> the same things I, I, you know, leave in voicemails for Krager. Um, and I, let me tell you what, it boosts your confidence. It does. I mean, it, <laughs> I really feel like I can kill people. <laughs> With and, just, and just like Craig, and just like Krager, uh, you know, Homelander is probably 
not normal like normally i don't think this would get to him as much as it is getting to him because he would have madeline there to like uh affirm you know his place in the world affirmed that you know he was loved and cared for and everything but we see in this scene that that's all a facade that he's crafted for himself because uh yeah the this madeline uh starts what? to have some tummy pains so before <laughs> we talk about what happens here i just yeah. want to mention that <laughs> as these scenes were happening with with madeline and and homelander i was like how long is we gonna are we gonna know go without knowing what's happening? <laughs> yes. I thought it was gonna be like a rest of the season mystery. <laughs> See, that didn't even cross my mind. Like, did anyone else have a little freak out when there's something like, did he put a baby in her already? Like, yeah, I was oh, like, I didn't oh, think of that. We've already no. established that when he lesson? gets bitches pregnant, they get pregnant real fast. Uh, How many times are we gonna have to teach you this lesson? I thought it was man. like the clone was breaking down and she was gonna like melt all over him or something when she was like, yeah. oh, it hurt. Or or the or the simulation or the, the like hologram he, was he is he is a straight up um oh shoot what's the what's the uh, guy black guy from um Thirty Rock Tracy Martin Tracy Jordan Tracy Jordan I'm getting that boy pregnant <laughs> <laughs> man if I Google myself on your computer how else are you gonna do it um, wait is that I'm gonna get everyone pregnant is that the one from is that the interview that he did with John Stewart I think so. <laughs> <laughs> that one. Okay. That show. Madeline's having some tummy pain, some tummy troubles, and uh, much like Joffrey did, as we discussed in episode <laughs> one. Um, and oh. guess what? It's fucking Doppelganger himself, Doppelganger. Uh, from season <laughs> I one, totally I forgot, forgot that this about is this a thing. guy. As soon as we saw him, I was like, "Oh, that dude! Of course, that makes perfect sense." Forgot about him. And I was, and I was like, "Huh." Yeah. <laughs> so it was Homelander. Who else was like uh, wondering what the conversation was like prior to like because this is you know I'm I'm assuming they worked all all the details like I'm paying you you're my sex therapist now oh no there's no payment this is you do this or I kill you I think I so I, oh I I think it's definitely you do this or I kill you I think it I it's Homelander's mo like how, why would you true. tell someone all this info and like be that if like. The only reason they wouldn't talk is I'll kill you if you talk. Counterpoint: He he doesn't he can't kill him because he needs him. You know yeah. he's he's the only thing that brings him comfort anymore now that Madeline is gone. I feel like if there's one but person he, that could get away from Homelander, it's Doppelganger because he could just you just doppelganger away. away. I almost said doppelganger. <laughs> doppelganger <there>. away. <laughs> um, <laughs> so Homelander sits straight up as uh, Madeline turns back into doppelganger, and he's like, "Change back, change back now, do it." Um, oh god and like it, homelander's facial expressions through this whole thing are just so good because he looks like kind of embarrassed but also disgusted and like and annoyed and, and oh. grieving and vulnerable he looks disgusted at doppelganger not disgusted at himself that's oh all. i don't i don't agree yeah. that i don't agree with that i feel like it's i feel like it's abhorrence the whole way around everybody plays this club cranium i, I don't know so maybe for those of you who don't remember doppelganger uh he was in season one <laughs> And he was used by Madeline Stilwell to blackmail Senator Calhoun into coming around uh, on the vote to give uh, the seven international authority. Um, how long do we think uh, this relationship's going to work out? I, I think they're going to. I think they're going to fall in love. I, I feel like this is one of the one of the last crutches keeping Homelander alive and going forward. Honestly, at this point, I, I mean. It's mm. like it's like every child's dream of you know mystique, except it's a like ugly dude, right? <laughs> I mean, he's not ugly, homely, sure. Wait, you're, 
<laughs> are, you, are you telling me that you don't think that Mystique was secretly an ugly dude? I don't. I don't want to think oh, that. Oh, true no. internet theory. You know, you have to read between the lines, Krager. <laughs> yeah, that's why this is called the space between Krager. You got to read that space. I, I, do, I don't want to go to there. <laughs> read I don't between want to go to the space. It's a, it's a big one. You can't miss it. <laughs> so back at the Clarkson Ave uh, hideout, MM and Butcher discuss his. Uh, quote unquote raid on a vault compound because effectively that is where they're keeping Becca. She's behind uh, several layers of vault security. Uh, Butcher puts MM in charge and continues to get ready. MM is very like, this is stupid. Don't, don't do this. Uh, but Butcher's, point. <laughs> Butcher's made up his mind. I've seen Spider-Man. Great responsibility, all that stuff. Not me. No, no, thank you. I got one track mine. Everything is for a reason. And I know where the reason is now. Right. Um, yeah. That, that was the only thing preventing him from storming Vought and trying to get something is because the thing that he wanted to get, Becca, he just didn't know where she was. Yep. Now there's nothing standing. There's nothing technically standing in his way. It's still a terrible idea. Oh, it is. Just awful. <laughs> like he's not James Bond. He's like. He's better. He's Billy Butcher. But Billy I, Butcher. I think in the back of his mind, MM knows here, you know, that, listen, this is literally everything we've done has been for this. Yeah. So the, there's no way he's going to be able to convince him not to. Um, and like true. mm understands because you know he's just trying to get back to his wife and kids too so he's like right yeah i get it uh yep. he, yeah he's the right person to have that conversation with very much so he gives uh mm the way out to with mallory be like hey you know you're hit her up you know you can work together she'll fix everything for you but that's not my bag anymore uh, i kind of got the feeling like he knew that without butcher like it wouldn't go very well. Like it, right. we've, we've seen earlier in the season that he is the necessary leader for this team. They're sort of rudderless without him. Yeah. Um, so the idea of just kind of like here, MM, you're ready. You can take over here. I, I feel like he knows that it's not actually going to be good enough. Like he does need to steer the ship and he's just not going to be able to do it. I love how they re reference the spice girls. So yeah, that, that was, was a nice. great bet too. Um, <laughs> He uh, writes off both Frenchie and Huey a little bit. Uh, Huey significantly more than Frenchie, um, but just being like, well, Frenchie's high. Who gives a shit? And fuck Huey. Huey, uh, like, he she... pauses, though. Like, I feel like he has got to go through some some real emotional labor to be like, nah, fuck Huey. He's, he's, a, he's a wuss. Yeah. I definitely hesitated, for sure. Yep. Yeah. He wanted to, to craft some kind of <laughs> remark. To make it look like he doesn't care, but he showed us last episode that he cares to some degree because he saved his life. Mm -hmm. But yeah, he definitely had to think about that one for a second. Um, yeah. In the background, we see um, MM's dollhouse. Um, it seems like things are coming along really well. What do we At think? At least something's going right. What do we think the arc is for this dollhouse? Is this going to be. Does MM get serious when someone gets thrown into it in some fight? And I was like, oh, no, you've done it. He's going like, to murder somebody. <laughs> yeah. That happens for sure. I, don't know. I felt it was maybe like symbolism, like the dollhouse is his like. Everything's going to be OK. I can control this. And he's looking back at it like that's gone now. Mm. Like mm. it's now gone to the point where I now have to like lead it. I don't know what's going to happen. And I can't I'm I'm technically in control while equally not having any control and don't know what to do now. It's almost a lie he's telling himself where he's making this dollhouse for his kids, which means he's going to get out of this and get back to his kids. That's I saw it as his, totally. his last connection to his family, that yeah. he was building this for his daughter or daughters. I forget if he has 
Well, I think we've only seen are. the one. Yeah. Um, you know, he's building it for his daughter. First, I thought it was just a, a funny thing that he, that was his hobby that he built this dollhouse. But then I remembered he had kids. <laughs> it makes more sense. I like the idea that he's building it for his daughters. It's his connection to his family that he's kind of left during this time. Mm-hmm. And now he's even leaving that for who knows how long or if they'll survive or get back. They have you no can... idea what's going to be out there. So I, I love that that pause he, he has and just looks at it like, OK. You can also see it as like a... Um a simulacrum of like the life that he wants. Like he, he wants to go back to his like normal domestic household. He's crafting a representation of that household where everything is in place and there isn't any chaos and everything like that. And we just got done with a Homelander scene where like he doesn't have Madeline. He has a representation of Madeline. It's not good enough, but it's all he has. Mm. So like, I wonder if there's like a reason that they phrase those closely together. I, I regularly don't notice those juxtapositions of scenes together like that until we meet like this and, and discuss on a second. I didn't yeah. just notice it until above. we started talking. Right. Just comes out in the wash. Um, so we, we shoot back over to uh, Vought headquarters. Ooh, that job. one's strong. You fucked me up by saying that <laughs> stupid word earlier. Good job. Uh, you did it. Starlight and, or Starlight's riding in an elevator. Uh, Homelander kind of stop it, stops it, goes in. The scene, the Oof. music, the lighting, everything changes very tensely here. Um, everything with Homelander is tense. came off. Very literally. literally. Uh, one of the first times that we've seen parts of his body exposed, uh, yeah. not in his, uh, you know, Earthworm Jim costume. He <laughs> stops the elevator uh, and talks about how Maeve begged him to spare her life when she fucked up the first time, and now she's failed him again. She plays dumb to it, asks him what he's talking about. He slams her against the inside of the elevator by her neck and starts like knife handing into what I assume is like between her ribs or, or something. Or it was something. like up under her ribs that look oh, like, yeah. like, like kind of kidney-ish area. Yes. Uh, and saying that she hesitated to kill Huey and that's why and, and he assumes that they're still together. She continues really to just be the fucking baller that we've seen at any point that she's been put in one of these situations, just being like, Huey broke my heart worse than anyone else has. I would have loved to blast his fucking face off, but I'm not a murderer. I tried to call. I told you to call the police. It was a police matter. I'm not a killer. Yeah. Um, Like, look at me, tell me I'm lying. And like, there is, it shows like there is a part of her. Like she's still like, he broke my heart and I'm pissed. Starlight's fucking bad. That was such a good line when she was like, if, if me, not being a murderer means that I can't fit on this team. Like then fucking kill me. Like whatever. I'm not going to do that. And it was just like, yeah, she's awesome. And that is such a good uh, continuation of her character because in the first season, she's very bright eyed, bushy tailed, very naive Mm -hmm. going into the seven, assuming that they are the glorified heroes that we all hope that they are. And then she's realizes that they're not. And then she's, she's been struggling kind of to like, I technically am a superhero. I can't really help people anymore. Like she's kind of been struggling about how to make her ideals match her actions. And in this exchange, we have, the fact that she is not taking any shit, she's, you know, being defiant to Homelander, the one person you don't want to defiant at. <laughs> um, but the, what's driving her is that same ideal of I'm not going to kill people. I'm not a murderer. I am a superhero. So it's just that evolution of like what kind of superhero she is and how she can like how, how it can how it, how she can impact the world based on that. It's just very nice. So um he effectively she effectively calls him out to like 
Say fucking go. And (laughs) (laughs) do it. Let's go. No, you won't. Um, and do you do you guys think that him taking off the gloves is him like hanging up the image of himself that he sells to the whole other world? Like the, the idea that he is better than everyone else or what have you? I think it was also practical that if he did go through with his threat and he like knife handed her in the ribs, he wasn't going to get blood all over his gloves. It's just that attention has been paid to when he's been wearing his costume up until this point. He yeah, wears it yeah. for the entire domestic abuse arc. Always. Um, so whenever he's doing something with his costume, I assume it's intentional. Yeah, Or, for sure. or has some sort of meaning. I bet it, I feel like it's a multi-layered kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. I think it's like it's like the the symbolism, but also the practicality, like you said. Like it's both those things. It has it's multifaceted. Yeah. Um. So Homelander storms out of the. The elevator says, you're not lying. Um, I I took this as one of those near misses because my assumption was that just the way Homelander's power work, if you're going to lie, he's going to be able to tell from your heartbeat or your blood flow or whatever. Was this just enough of a lie to get by or was this not a lie at all? Does he have like super hearing like (laughs) Superman does? I don't think he does. Yeah, he he does. does. Has, have we yep. seen that? Yeah, because yep. he was able to hear uh, Maeve and Elena's phone call earlier. Knew who she was and what she had said uh, when he walked in the room. And I oh. didn't that happen after this? Uh, it happened in, I believe, one of the last episodes when he heard the conversation. Oh no, no, no! I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. I was thinking of later this episode. Yeah, because now he has X-ray vision. He's got laser vision. He yeah. can fly. Super strong. Super tough. All that. I, I don't, don't know if it happened that. in the. Sh- I don't know if it happened in the show at all, but but at least in the comics, there is one character, a Vought executive that he talks to and he remarks, you know what? Most people when I when I, you know, I'm talking to them, they're excited or scared or furious or something because, you know, I'm the Homelander. Of course, they would be. Um, But your heartbeat is still 120 over 80. You're totally calm. Like it's not just a front. You are literally you are just you are, it, it's as though you're getting your groceries so yeah. he can apparently determine blood pressure he must have like at least yeah, super crazy. hearing to that degree lie detector is not a huge stretch i i assumed i was fairly certain yeah. in season one there was some scene with it because when someone lies to him he gets really upset really fucking quick right mm-hmm. um i kind of assumed he had super hearing because he is such yeah. a superman figure and that's a pretty staple power for superman that mm-hmm. it's part of the package Certainly wouldn't be surprised if he had that. I just didn't really, I wasn't sure if that was made over or not at this point. I definitely assume that was a thing. We shoot over to Black Noir in uh, the control room, uh, (laughs) kind of startling (laughs) Anika, who uh, from season one uh, is who helped Homelander find uh, where the guys were keeping translucent. And this this is where we find out who sponsored the episode. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Not a sponsor for us. (laughs) But uh, uh, I'll enjoy not a sponsor. Um, So I never really put two and two together before. At the start of the season, when we see Billy Butcher in the parking lot of Tony Cicero's, I was just like, oh, this is the first time we're seeing Tony Cicero's. No, not true. The the place that they had them that they had translucent all of season one was a rundown Tony Cicero's. What? Oh, really? Amazing. I didn't realize that at all. So I had no idea. That's so good. That's crazy. Just makes it kind of click for me. It's like, oh, well, Homelander dropped him off at a Tony Cicero's. That's just another little Homelanderism. Oh, symbolic. That's so funny. Um, 
This yeah, scene, this, this whole. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I would say this scene. I think solidified uh, Black Noir as my favorite of the seven by leaps and bounds <laughs> because of what good. he does with that almond joy. Because he he treated it just as you should all almond joys. Fuck off. <laughs> Almond Joy is one of the best candies. Now, there's only one complaint oh, to be so had. Oh, you are a serial killer. Only one complaint about the Almond Joy, and that it does not have dark chocolate on it. Mounds is better, slightly, because it has dark chocolate and coconut instead of milk chocolate and coconut. But Mounds does not have almonds. They so, should call almond. They should call Mounds Almond Joyless. Yeah, hot, hot take. Um, he has a throwaway, the Almond Joy. Um, which, which they're just so fucking the wonderful. Right move. Almond joys. Are I, just love, so I good. love almond joys. Obviously, she hit the wrong button at the at the I almost said ATM at the vending machine to get an almond joy. And she's just like, well, I don't want to waste my two dollars because I'm assuming that's what it would cost <laughs> at Vought. So I will hear I none mean, of this. At least you're going out with a bang, bud, because you're never going to be on the show again. Um, <laughs> so I do think that we found our new like comedy centerpiece. Yeah. Like I guess Deep is just gone. And we're just done with him for a while. Like he peaked with the whale or something and we need a new comedy centerpiece and it's black noir. We needed um, a break from the well, deep. Black, black noir has had his funny things from last season. Like I, I will always, my favorite scene from in all of season one is everyone's messing up except for you, black. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're doing great. <laughs> <laughs> fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. You're cool. Fuck you. <laughs> well, like, I have to say, I cannot look at any scene of black noir I'm looking for any little detail ever since you told me in the comics that Black Noir is a clone of Homelander. Yeah. I'm all like, like this, this whole scene, like made me really think it's going that direction. Cause like, he's not, he's not merely mute. He's also very unexpressive, right? Mm-hmm. He doesn't do lots of body language. He, he, even dis- he disapproves on some level about almond joy and merely like raises a waste paper basket up and just waits for her to put the puzzle pieces together. (laughs) (laughs) So great. I Um, laughed a lot. He hands her just a page, just an orange sheet of paper that just says butcher in like big sharp (laughs) written in crayon. crayon. (laughs) And like going back to like playing with the doll for that kid, for Nakib's kid. I'm thinking mind of a child might be in effect here. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I I feel like I have heard the term Homelander as a toddler a whole bunch. So um, he he plays with dolls. He writes like a three year old. He does not have a refined enough palate to enjoy an almond joy. Right. All the signs are there. This is a child. This is a sea sponge. I I def I do understand like you see I think it's a previous episode when it comes out about you know that Vought is you know is behind Compound V and you see him crying. This I also was able to connect like okay he sees Butcher as the reason that this came out and Mm -hmm. like is trying to take down his his lifestyle and so he's all like vendetta time. Mm. Even more than that, he he sees like Butcher. As like the impetus that this came out, I was hurt in d- directly because of this person's actions. What does a child do? Oh, I have to kill that person. Yeah. Like the, it doesn't matter why they made why they came out with that information that hurt me. The only thing is like this is this person's ultimately responsible. They got to go. No one makes me bleed my own blood. Um, <laughs> love that line so much. So she's like, oh, uh, William Butcher. And I was like, oh, who the fuck is that at first? But she's like, <laughs> oh, yeah. So she pulls him up. Um, you know, they they see on video that he was on the boat with the terrorist um, Kenji, as well as the rest of the people that he's been known to associate with. 
Black Noir just kind of continues to hover. She's like, well, so yeah, uh, so yeah, we can uh, see if he pops up anywhere. And then he just kind of like stares at her and sits down. And she's like, he sits or, right next to her. Or, or he, we can find him right now. You can hang out. That's and he just cool. sits down and starts typing with her like, a, I don't know. It's just so good. Like all of his movements are so mechanical and deliberate. It's so great. So great. Starlight and Huey meet up in a park. She apologized for bruising him during the um, uh, storm drain scene in the last episode. They stroll through the park. She says she could have killed him. Maybe she wasn't lying to Homelander. Maybe she was just like, it's him or me, and it's going to be him. Maybe she has come full circle almost to the point where she's like, well, these are decisions that sometimes have to be made. Um, she brings up. I think up it's his... one of those things where, like, you can't be angry with someone unless you're actually. You, you can't really, like, be upset with someone unless you care about them. Right. Kind of thing. Like, if, if there was nothing there, she wouldn't have, like, stated to Homelander that she got her heart broken semi seriously. Yep. Uh, she brings up the second wind voicemail from the last episode as well. And he's really quick to just. Moving on, and uh, <laughs> and they do. Can we just she, not talk about she, that ever again. She drops it. Uh, she has second second thoughts. <laughs> it's on, like it, it's it's whatever I do when I'm blacked out drunk is none of my business. <laughs> 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 I was high. I didn't kiss her. Um, so she has second thoughts about exposing Vaught. Uh, the consequences of her actions are kind of catching up to her emotionally. And it's not always just we're fighting the bad guys. People are going to understand that and good guys will win. Uh, there's, there's going to be casualties. There's going to be a lot of mess that's created before things get better. Uh, Huey gets a call uh, from mother's milk. Uh, most likely to, we don't hear the conversation, but it's most likely telling them that they're heading to that North Carolina. Raleigh? You mean the one in North Carolina? To see uh, <laughs> Liberty. Uh, we get kind of a one of the first times we've actually seen Starlight be vulnerable this season. Um, and she's fucking terrified now. She's been already in the back of her mind, assuming Homelander's around any corner, just waiting to dust her. And now that they've had an incredibly co- close encounter to that, she really does not want to go back to, to the Seven building. She, yeah, I love and this. To his credit, Huey picks up on it. And shows concern when he goes to walk away at one point and turns around. And I was expecting Huey to just be the little fucking shitlord that he has been to her in the past and continue doing it. And good on him. I, I wasn't expecting him to actually fucking sack up here, but he did. Yeah. That um, was really that was a really nice like little scene. Just to, like there's still love there. Like yeah, she, he still cares sure. about her and they got different lives and their priorities are all fucked up. And this is a messy situation. But just those little interactions really bring out the chemistry between them. It did. They they're such goobers. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he talks to M.M. a little bit over the phone, alluding to that he wants her to come along. And we move to a different scene uh, with a train uh, going through the halls of Vought. And he sees Shockwave in the lobby getting into an elevator. I Uh, love this, like, fake, dumb little rivalry he's built up with Shockwave. This specific speedster. (laughs) Um, A train. uh, Yeah, a train. A train. A train. A train. A train. A train. train. Would you could you on a train? (laughs) A train goes to Ashley, obviously concerned for his own livelihood. Uh, Ashley train. Ashley train. Just every train. time I see a capital that's A, celebrity now, that's what the name. A stands for. Isn't right. it? His name, his oh, name is Ash. Ashley Train. That's it. 
Ashley downplays it a little bit and says he's here for Vots for Tots, a workout outreach for overweight toddlers, in which A-Train says, well, fuck, I love fat kids. Put me on that one. That's so great. Vots for Tots. In walks Homelander and kind of gives Ashley the, oh, did you tell him already? Which A-Train's like, tell me what? Tell me what? She's like, oh, no, I, I thought we were going to have a, a meeting about it first and kind of strategize. A strategy. Then Homelander just fucking fires A-Train. You're out. Yeah. Out of what? Out of the seven. What? what? Just, you're gone, bud. You're too slow. You're not even the, you're. He's like, you can't run. He's like, what do you mean you can't yeah. run? He's like, I, you were having a heart attack. You can't run. You're well, not even. God. I, I the the alludes to, not only are you not the fastest anymore, you're barely in the top 20. Which I, makes I me think, look bad. You don't. I think this it. scene was really good because it showed like he's at the point like he was just mailing it in the fact that he cared at all. Just totally was not even like. Oh, I love. Oh, it. it's intentional. So good. He, we've seen him fake compassion before. He's not even doing that. He's not even bothering to hide his derision for a train. You know, he he's like saying the words like, you know, like, ah, well, sorry, you, you know, get your act together, but uh, you'll have more time with your family and uh, them's the breaks, kid. Yeah, <laughs> he just doesn't give a shit at all. I love he literally oh, said, etc. That was <laughs> yeah. so, and then just walks out like, wow, we'll still be friends. He says it all so monotone without emotion he calls him champ in sport i think too like it's oh, just nice. so that's like the men in so black treatment right there oh the one who really enjoyed ash is like we had a year-long and parades interviews like i don't know uh yeah i do like you can watch that on vaught plus yes yeah. <laughs> <sighs> so ashley tries to console him a little bit saying that he'll get a, a a talk show and do all the stuff and promotional stuff and it's just it's way too late at this point. Uh, yeah. So great. What do we think here for a train? What's the next step? Uh, is, does this push him into the corner with the boys and Huey? Does he anti Homelander? Is he anti Vaughn? Yeah. He'll definitely or have the motivation how, to join how, the boys. How will he react to becoming the train of the Vaughn caboose? I mean, the caboose of the Vaughn train. Damn it. So close. <laughs> So close. Next time, baby. <laughs> um, they've got to be doing something with him, yeah. right? Like they, they've spent so much time on A Train, and let's be honest, he could have died at the end of the last season, and nothing would have suffered for it. Like yep. we could have manufactured for too. some other reason for Starlight to, you know, have somebody who knows about her. Like we don't need A Train to do that. His his arc felt wrapped up, and then they opened it up again. Yeah. So. He couldn't merely be dropped like a hot potato and decide to like just, you know, become an art teacher for the rest of his life. I could totally He's got to be going somewhere. I could see this show doing that just because you don't know what this show is going to do. And it's just he's not in it ever again. He's just gone. <laughs> That'd be so weird. <laughs> it would be in like two I seasons. Would, I would find like, it really funny later on and be like, wait a minute. We haven't seen a train since that fourth episode of season two. He's really just boof. shockwave becomes the next big speedster. And they're like, we need someone that's really fast, but maybe like. You know, three to seventeen scales behind Shockwave. <laughs> Someone to make him look good. I don't. Yeah. I don't think that's going to happen. I just think it would be really funny. Yeah, I, I assume they're going somewhere with it. It seems very deliberate. Yeah, you do make a good point. How like it wouldn't be becoming of them to just like wrap it up and kick him to the curb because like he is the whole like he's the start of the show. Like oh, this he, whole got yeah. started. Yeah, that's because true. He. <laughs> 
He was the inciting he ran, incident. He ran, through, he ran through someone. He ran oh a train God. on Huey's ex-girlfriend. <laughs> Good job, Tim. Indeed he did. <gasps> Back up! <laughs> Good so, job. Uh, I, I don't know. I, he's definitely got to be going somewhere. I feel like they're building him up to go out in a blaze of glory or like, you know, really, or, or more accurately... I don't think that he's going to be redeemed. I think he's going to try to do something semi good and just get the shit kicked out of him and die. Like, I think I, I think Homelander's just going to shut him down hard at the barest amount of open defiance. Yeah, I don't see him becoming good or doing anything good at all. It more for me, like it kind of brings a little more intrigue into that side of things. Like, what is he going to do? Is he going to irrationally like, well, I'm no longer part of the seven. I'm going to take down uh, um, Starlight. But like you can think about it, takes down Starlight. He's now not at seven. Easy kill, you know, like so it brings a lot more levels to that whole dynamic, you know, that's true. Yeah. He has nothing to lose anymore. Yeah. Well, I mean, he loses life. I mean, if he, <laughs> if he comes forward, I mean, by exposing Starlight like yeah. that, that was always like a, a mutually assured destruction pact. Um, now, now he's, he's destro- out of yeah. out of the seven. So there's nothing else to lose. There's nothing left to lose. She he there's, probably like, yeah. I don't know, maybe blackmails her or something somehow. I could see, Ben, to what you had said earlier, um, a scene where there's some face-off between the boys and Homelander and A-Train tries to come in to like be that secret weapon and Homelander just annihilates him as an afterthought. Um, yeah, he wouldn't stand yeah. a chance against him. That would also fit with both the boys' storytelling in general yeah. and also their relative people. I can already see it. A-Train runs towards him. He lasers off his legs and like, falls with yeah. stubs. Oh, oh that cool. would be great. Um, oh, with like the little nubbins kicking super fast. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, we, we were all thinking it. We shoot back to Mother's Milk, uh, Starlight, and Huey. Uh, driving through North Carolina, we see this great billboard Road trip. Uh, that says, that baby you abort might be super. Oh, my God. Um, I've got one of those, like, you know, pro, pro-life billboards, like a couple of blocks outside my house and it infuriates me every time I walk past it. Um, Huey and Starlight are straight vibing at this point. They're flipping through the radio station. Starlight come Starlight song that she sang at translucent funeral comes out on two stations in a row. And then we get the only actual licensed music that I believe we will continue to see for the rest of the series. A Billy Joel comes on with everybody uh, loves. We didn't start the fire. Everyone does love. We didn't start the fire. <laughs> Because the world is turning. (laughs) No, I said it wrong already. Damn it. Hold Um, the Craig, you're there. Huey starts singing in the back. Starlight (laughs) starts in the front. They're having a great old time. They're falling back in love again. And MM is just, cut that shit out. I'm not your chaperone. This isn't a cross-country trip. We're not. This is dumb. No. He just, boom, turns it off. <laughs> Basically, can like, I just the say it. <laughs> the close. Can of I the- just say I love how much MM we are getting in this episode. Yeah, we don't get a lot of him generally, but this is just they're they're really packing it in. They're really giving us kind of color to his character. So good. It's like I love what you do there with like the waveness vibrato. He knows that shit because he's a domestic <laughs> papa bear. It's so cute. He's the best. I love mothers. They they did so much for him this episode, and I loved oh every minute God. of it. Uh, as the scene closes, they pass by a uh, barn that has a mural of Homelander with a Confederate flag uh, cape. Uh, <laughs> he would hate I that. Miss, how did I see that? Yeah, oh, so I didn't good. see that the either. Side That's of the great. barn was huge. I feel like Homelander, if he saw that, would hate it though. Yeah. Stormfront would be all about it. Well, that's copyright infringement. You don't fuck with the money. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Shut that down. Um, 
<laughs> Unless they had paid a licensing oh, fee. Um, we, we shoot over to another scene in this, like, it doesn't know if it's a church or an office building or something. It, uh, just another woman kind of giving a um, talk about relationships. She mentions the the lovers of Valdero. Valdero? Uh, yeah. Vald- Valdoro. Yeah. Valdaro? Valdoro? Something like that. Which is uh, two skeletons that were found embracing each other. I believe it it was ended up finding out that it was two males. So Uh, actually, hmm. more information came out. They were reanimated and they fell in love love after death. Aw. Right? It's like warm bodies. I mean, if you're going to bone, it might as well be while you're made of bones. Um, I just. The context I was getting for this at this point was that this was somewhere in the South. So I thought that this was kind of just a joke of like kind of an ignorant Southerner in some type of group talking about like, oh, well, love can be anything and it can be this. And it wasn't what I thought it was, but moving on. They've they've done it enough. They've like kept on kind of panning back to this group therapy, you know, women talking about the nature of love thing enough that I think. I, I was just like accepting like, oh, they're just they're just giving us a framing device for the episode. There's different kinds of people that love have. We're seeing mm. different kinds, different people going through different aspects of love that, you know, that Frenchie Kimiko thing, that weird shit that Homelander's into this kind of burgeoning romance that is is still aflame between Annie and Huey. Like we're just kind of they're they're talking about the nature of love in a bunch of different ways, and that's the core of this episode. Is we're just we're seeing a bunch of those different ways in our main cast. That's some really good deep shit right there. I didn't yeah. even think about those levels. I was just thinking about Wedding Crashers during that scene. Because <laughs> <laughs> I find you. Oh, wow. Um, we we jump over to a scene of Butcher throwing a rope down that big gate in front of uh, the compound that, that Becca's house is part of. Um, and that's it. He just slips <laughs> off the camera and we move to another scene. Like it's so, it's so budget in mission, mission impossible. Like, what is he doing? How is no one like tackling him to the ground and tasering him? For real. It's a really tall wall. It is. It is not a he tiny wall. Uh, we sh- shoot over to a, a drunk and high or drunk or high Frenchie and trying to put a code into like what looks like an apartment building. Um, and then Sherry answers the door. Uh, they have a Mon really quick, <laughs> they have a quick aside. <laughs> uh, they fuck. And then they just kind of like sit there and catch up. It's actually kind of a really nice scene. Uh, he talks about how he kissed Tamiko. Uh, yeah, Tamiko. Shout out to Tamiko. I used to work with you. How you doing? Um, he talks about how he kissed Kamiko. Uh, and they actually kind of hash it out a little bit. Um, Sherry says mm-hmm. that he's trying to make amends for all the people that he's hurt. And he feels uh, guilt for the the kids that Lamplighter killed. Um, yeah. This is she, really... I want to I want to say something about this because like you don't often see sexual relationships that are not also monogamous romantic relationships in in fiction. Um, But like this is one. Right. Um, He comes in. He's he's looking for comfort. He's looking for someone to talk to. He's looking, you know, for some physical comfort. And Sherry, Sherry, uh, who, you know, we, we know that they've been physical in the past. She gives it. And they're not there's no jealousy there. Right. Like he's just like, I tried to kiss Kimiko and Shuri is just like, I know she's important to you. I am not being jealous because I do not own you. I do not own your sexual id. Like that's not 
the relationship here. It's still important. It's still a like valid, valuable relationship that we have. It's just not a jealous one. And I just I thought that was very that was just bold. Uh, it, that really got me, especially in the way they did it, because they didn't call over attention to it. They weren't like, you're my poly friend and we're poly it was, together. It and it's fine. Yeah. yeah. They just fucking displayed it for what the relationship was, something that was healthy and works for both of them. Um, yeah. And I, it's beautiful. Yes. I, I really liked how they did that um, for all of the things that, that the boys does. Sometimes <laughs> they in, in in the episode about love display love correctly. In, in whatever that means to individuals could be doppelganger. Yes. It could just be, you know, a unique relationship. You never know. It's because, because apparently love is like, I want to have sex. Well, it's Tuesday and I got nothing else going on. Sure. I mean, sometimes I mean, it does make sense for his character of like, you know, he's, he's kind of on the outs with the law. He doesn't have a fixed location. He's always kind of moving around. And, you know, this other person whom presumably I doubt that Sherry wants to be in a, you know, I doubt she wants to be a housewife. They've like found each other and they work for each other. And that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And it was kind of cool because like we haven't seen her since like early season one. It's like, poof, back in the back in the world, you know, it almost like she it's almost like she realized that, you know, he's doing his own thing. That's fine. Give him the freedom to do that. If he comes back, great. If not, I wish him well. Like, it's it's just a sexual relationship without ownership to it, you know? A, a healthy adult relationship, which is... A healthy adult relationship. Yeah, I, why isn't that... Yeah, exactly. I, I feel like that should be the shorthand that I was using. Um, <laughs> I had to try to explain it with words and stuff. <laughs> but Too many you words. did it very eloquently, and you made me feel educated and dumb at the same time. You're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome, Monkar. We <laughs> we shoot over to a diner uh, on the road trip with uh, MM, Starlight, and Huey. Uh, Anti-Vot protests are going on in the streets. They're watching uh, some of them go down on TV. Uh, that's happening over the Compound V News. MM and Starlight have a moment talking about Starlight's dad and how he really cared about her. Um, that she wasn't allowed to have sweets, but he would occasionally sneak her away to... Uh, Dunkin Donuts like after church and get her this one specific type of donut and it was great and it was kind of their thing um, it was so tame it's such a tame little moment <laughs> <It is. laughs> um, MM has a similar story about his dad uh, who would always ask for I wouldn't call that similar it's got it's, that MM twist to it yeah. <laughs> uh, a similar story about about dads and, and sweets dads and sugar um, about dads how and sugar. MM's dad, sugar daddies, one might say. Yes, <laughs> I would say that. Yeah, everyone has a sugar daddy story. Um, mm-hmm. MM's dad would ask for samples of every single flavor at Baskin Robbins <laughs> and would not give two shits about people yelling or complaining behind him. Uh, and he talks the way he so wistfully tells the story. Um, it's just really nice. You, he mentions that not a day goes by where he just wouldn't give anything up to just ha- be at that Baskin Robbins again, having his dad annoy a whole bunch of people. That's so cute. It's really I, I love MM every more every time I see yeah. him. Mm-hmm. If I can bring some comic context into this, yeah. um, from the comics, MM's family went through some real heinous Vought shit. Uh, basically, in that world, um, Vought just kind of got into the environment, and 99 times out of 100, it causes birth defects, and babies die. And then one time out of 100, you actually get a soup, but usually it's a bad one. Uh, we got birth defects in MM's family. His uh, brother was mentally disabled and then got his superpowers, which were to make him grow. Uh, but he had a football helmet on at the time. 
And so it just killed him because he like grew and his like head exploded basically inside of the. Yeah, it's fucking crazy. Um, And his dad fucking self-taught himself to become a lawyer to pay thought back for what they did, like to hold them to account. And he eventually won a settlement with them, but it it killed him like the work killed him. It took his life. And so this little snippet is like a is another facet of like Vought is a gigantic corporation and you can win against them in in pieces, but you never take down the corporation. Mm. Um, and it just gives you like this nice collateral damage feel to everything that uh, everything that we see. So, yeah, that's uh, that's M.M. story. That's why he hates Vought and probably why Butcher was able to induct him into the first place. He's like, uh, come on on and I'll give you a chance at Vought. And if you don't, I'll bullocks you. <laughs> <laughs> you dumb bird. Um, so <laughs> you dumb bird. No, boy. We, <laughs> Blow me in. Blow me hell. We get a great scene outside the diner as well with uh, M.M. giving... Um, Starlight some wet wipes because if you're if you're dry wiping you're just moving that shit around your skin, uh, which uh, listen I've been preaching uh, wet wipes in the bathroom for years. Um, you have it's it's a real issue. Uh, Dude, everyone I know is getting freaking bidets. Now. Yeah, I heard I mean, that wet wipes were actually like uh, bad for you. That's what I heard. Wet wipes are or bidets are specifically wet wipes. I don't know if it's like the actual moisture or whether it's like the specific chemical composition, but I heard they were not good. I know that. Does it give you superpowers? Uh, it's hard, hard to tell. It might come out 20 years later or something in the form of colon cancer. Hard to say. I, I do know that in certain um, cities, uh, there are what uh, people in the industry call fatbergs, which is yes. the kind of... Oh, I know a fatberg. Yeah, it's all the I oil. I don't know what that is. So a fatberg is a is a very large iceberg-shaped mass in sewer systems in some larger cities that are comprised of mostly uh, tampons, mm. wet wipes, and cooking oil that people discard of in their sinks and, and toilets and stuff instead of throwing them out or disposing them in a way that they were supposed to. Uh, the wet wipes and cotton... And anything else that's that's uh, flushed that should not be flushed combines and congeals with the oils and creates these massively water resistant uh, fatbergs that clog up our sewers. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, go look yeah. them up if you never want to sleep again. Yeah, Ugh. you you little you little East Coasters, you deal with little problems. That's uh, so cute. It's actually more of a West Coast birds. problem. It's mostly Seattle and California where these exist, but. <laughs> <laughs> uh, listen, the bacteria in New York uh, sewers is so Cthulian at this point. It's uh, all the it's alligators gonna... that just eat the stuff. Right. They also all speak with a Boston accent, which just makes janitors not want to touch the stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I'm walking here. He's walking here. I don't want to fuck with that. As, uh, as... <laughs> Oh. Can I also say uh, him using like him and just having wet wipes at the ready? This is also a comic book thing. He's like fastidious. He uh, always insists that Butcher uses a coaster. He always like has to have everything in its proper place. This is straight from this is straight MM from the comic books and loved it. Beautiful. Uh, as they're mm-hmm. having their wet wipe conversation, uh, there's a truck fucking blows into a minivan. Uh, this whole time I was waiting for something horrible to happen. Yes. I was like, there it is. 
Um, <laughs> Starlight tries to go right, right in. Uh, MM and Huey pull her back and are like, you can't, you can't do that. We are doing something here. We are undercover. You're going to raise every flag in the fucking universe. It's going to be all over the You news. are here and where you are mm. uh, and who I, you're I with. I really like that. Um, and honestly, I did not expect her initially to retreat and she did not retreat that's that's a bad she word acquiesced pretty easily yeah. i felt like it was submit pretty quick i i, I even think submit's probably it. the wrong word. She, she understands what's going on and what they're here for and i think it plays further into that sometimes you have to do shitty shit to get rid of the shitheads um it kind of shows their training too because huey and mm have been on the run around from the like the law and vought for better part of a season now so yeah. it's just their mind immediately goes oh spectacle we gotta fucking go mm. uh and and for but sure. starlight is like spectacle i gotta save some lives but but also it kind of showed a cool dichotomy how huey is seen as like the canary you know the the really good guy and he was one like no we can't do this yeah yeah yeah, that's a good point. Are we sure uh, the, the good that they are bringing to the situation is not always actionable good. Correct. Well, and at least this particular incident was not something really she could have helped with too much, I feel. It was a car accident. There were people on the scene. 911 was called. Um, yeah, they go to the, the point of saying that 911 had been called. Right. We cut over to Becca's house. Uh, she's closing the blinds for the night and sees that her car door is open, ajar, if you were. Uh, Butcher is fucking inside. When she goes out to check it, I love that's like his go-to move. Yeah, just hiding in the back seat. <laughs> that's his roll the dice move on the dance floor. I'm just gonna hide in your car. He asks, you know, is there any place they can go where there's not cameras? She actually plays it real cool and reaches right in her glove box, uh, grabs out a pack of cigarettes and a and a lighter and shows them to a very obvious camera and gets in and they drive off. Uh, they stop at a bridge. They embrace. She's surprisingly, and I don't know what anyone else was thinking at this point, but like seems very genuinely happy to see him. And I wasn't necessarily expecting that. Um, I was worried. I'm not sure why. Given, yeah. given how the end of the last season went where like, it seemed like she realized that he was a factor again, but kind of just gave this expression of shock or even like, oh, no, yeah. um, because Homelander was also in the scene. So we didn't really know what she thought about him reentering the picture in isolation. Um, she apologizes for kind of everything that's happened. Um, he says that she's done nothing wrong. I was expecting this to be like, a, well, I was actually in love with Homelander. It wasn't it wasn't rape. I wasn't raped. It was just, you know, I was into you were the expecting tights. soap opera. Yeah, I kind of was. Ugh. I'm always expecting the worst because I'm watching a show and I really like it. I'm like, how are they going to fuck this up for me? Um, <laughs> I, I, I was really hoping I didn't go that way. I was like, don't don't love super dick. Don't love super dick. Don't love super dick. No, that would have been so cheap and it wouldn't have made any sense. He's an asshole through and through. And like, I don't know. I, I guess I could have seen a scenario in which he you know, in a moment of weakness, uh, maybe slept with Homelander and then regretted it fiercely and then just like had been covering for it ever since. I'm glad that they went with the like, no, he raped me and I just have not been able to get out of this situation. Um, I let, I'm glad they played it straight. I, I'm, I was surprised they did. Uh, I'm glad they did, yeah. but I, I was certainly not expecting it. I was expecting it would some have been cheap drama to go the other way. Yeah, that's but that's what we've been conditioned to expect, I guess. <laughs> um, maybe. Yeah. Not by not by this show. Yeah, not yeah, that's fair. 
Um, this show is a little bit higher brow than Kardashians, I'm willing to say. <laughs> she tells him it's not safe and that if Homelander finds him, uh, he'll kill him. Uh, she explains the details of the deal that was referenced earlier, where effectively she told Homelander that if if you hurt him or if you kill him, I will kill myself in front of Ryan and say that you drove me to do it, which is not not a light statement. Um, that, yeah. He, it's, it's an effective it's an effective uh, tool against Homelander specifically, too, because mm-hmm. he has so many issues with not growing up with a mother. Um, and he probably if he feels any companionship toward this kid, he he does. He wouldn't want to put them in the same situation. Right. So, like, she is actually one of the few people who holds some measure of power over Homelander. Um, which are kind of like compliments are on it. I'm like, oh, you must have had a strong gay face or a strong game face. <laughs> she has a very strong gay face. Really strong game face and that uh, Homelander must not have known her tells. And she says, well, I wasn't I wasn't bluffing. I wasn't fucking bluffing, bud. Um, he says he's going to get her out of here. Uh, she says that Ryan isn't strong enough to climb the gate, which is just, it's just really fucking like weird scene. Or it's like your son's got laser eyes and can probably fly. Uh, I think it's you can so probably like smuggle him over that gate. <laughs> yeah, but right. I, w- I was kind of like, when did he see the kid have laser eyes? I, yeah, I don't remember. He's yeah. I, that one caught me off hmm. guard as well. He certainly makes the statement that, well, it's Homelander's kid, right? So he's got powers. He doesn't, right. he, says and he does mention scene, it in but, kind of those tones of, irritation with the fact that yes. the evidence that Homelander defiled his wife is just up and walking around. Like, I think we do see here that he, he does not like the fact that Ryan is part of the equation. Correct. He would rather Ryan does not exist. I felt like they didn't project too much. And now that was like in the back of my head, I was just like, okay, I don't like, don't let Ryan come in between them. Like they're back together. Don't don't write this that like butcher can't stand it and like is gonna be like oh I can't deal with this it's not gonna happen like no like <laughs> I I think just from everything we've seen with butcher this is going to be an issue um and there's yeah. no way it's not but he is one hundred percent going to try to play it cool uh until he can do something about it um Becca says that there is a garbage truck that comes by every day and that that's the route out. He double checks that it's not a compactor, uh, which I just have to assume is is some nod for later where they get in it and it starts to compact him. And it's like, oh, fuck, I thought this wasn't a compactor. <laughs> or all oh, looks like I'll be getting bullocks this time. <laughs> this time, the dumb bird is me. My mind immediately went to like they're like it's gonna be Star Wars and they're in like the trash connector. Yes. It's mm. coming down, but like and Ryan's gonna save them and then Butch is gonna be like, "Oh, you're all right, kid." <laughs> well, fucking good show. Yeah. Um, <laughs> good show. All right, all right. So they kiss and <laughs> she leaves. Um, this yeah, is- he he's he's displaying a really different side of Butcher than we've seen before. Like I assumed he would be a good husband just based on how much the loss of his wife has done to him. Like he clearly loves his wife above everything in this world. So I assumed that they had a good relationship with a lot of sweetness in it, but it's a very different butcher than I've ever seen before. And it, and it's a little weird. Like, uh, mm. I, I don't see the one who's calling people dumb cunts all the time. 
I don't know. It, for me, it was very believable because I just remember that scene in the first season where like they're in bed together and like being all sweet and stuff like that. So like, I don't know. I, I was able to call back to that and be like, okay, yeah. Like he, like when he's with her, like he's like it, that that's his best self, you know? I also saw but this he, as a, he does anything to get what he wants and he's going to say whatever he needs to, to, to move this uh, along so he can get her out of there. Yep. Well, that's and, and very also, negative. And also in the interest of like uh, tying it back to other people who have kind of like this emotional crutch. Like, I think that he is staking his ability to be this loving person kind of on her. Like, I think they say at some point, like, um, you made me a better person. And like, we see what happens to Butcher when he doesn't have her around as he turns into a real kind of monster person yeah he's, he's affable but he's also monstrous um you know you remember him uh shutting uh hitting uh mesmer's head into the fucking sink you know right. in, in the in the fucking uh subway <laughs> last season yeah. um that's the kind of person he is without this woman so um yeah i guess it, it just it just showcases how different his the sides of his personality are and how without her, he just totally falls apart. For sure. So I am assuming that this is going to end poorly at this point, that uh, anything good that happens to any of the people that we care about is most likely going to be, you know, ripped away and from it's the them. middle of the season. This is like an end of the season <laughs> moment if it's going to be a climactic Correct. and they're together again thing. So uh, there's got to be complications. So we jump yeah. over back to the road trip. Huey, MM, Starlight. They got two rooms and there's this really cute little scene where Huey has both of the keys and he's like, so I guess I'll sleep with. <laughs> he like looks at both of them. MM. And MM was like, good choice. Yeah, that's the right call. Oh, he kind of says it like a question. I'm going to sleep with MM. <laughs> yeah. We, we cut to. Burgundy? <laughs> we cut to. <laughs> Uh, MM is snoring really badly. Uh, Huey is of up. Of course. And yeah, that wasn't, it wasn't ending. It was just like, like 30 seconds of like an inhale and exhale. That doesn't sound right. <laughs> um, he gets a, Huey gets a text from Starlight that says that there's an emergency by the vending machine and that she needs help. <laughs> Huey so goes cute. out there. They're, they're flirting in high school. It's amazing. It really so good. You up? You up? <laughs> <laughs> what you doing? Um, he he goes out there and they have, uh, you know, probably the beginning of the worst fucking scene in anything that has happened in this show. Um, Starlight's <laughs> eating an Almond Joy and Huey, the stupid fucking cunt, says, oh, Wait. no one likes Almond Joys, only General Dahmer and that's it. Huey's so fucking stupid. I probably came off a little hard on him for no reason in the first two, three episodes of this season, but this we finally the got the reason why. And it's because he doesn't like Almond Joys. I was really connecting with Huey in this scene. Yeah, I bet you fucking were. <laughs> See, I, I we can at least agree that Starlight is a monster for liking Bitto Honey and Charleston yes! Chew, right? So, and that's, that's the thing that infuriates me the most. You, how <sighs> dare you compare an Almond Joy to a words, Bitto Honey? Take those words out of your mouth. Oh, you saying had a those bit of words honey? in the same sentence. I, I was, I was feeling you like I would let Starlighter kill me. You know, like she's worth it. After that, I'm like. I don't know if I let her kill me anymore, man. Like, yeah. Is what, it, what are you going to do? Charleston shoes not she even candy. Isn't it just a big piece of gum? Rifle and Pretty much. Didn't, like, didn't bleed. What are you going to do for against her? So I could see throwing Charleston shoes and bit of honeys <laughs> together, maybe throwing in a Mary Jane or some old other people's shit, but just Neko almond, almond joys. Yeah. 
those little. I was waiting for. I was waiting for her to pull out that strawberry candy that old grandma said. Yeah, you know? I those love are those. Good, the, 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 the strawberry cream things. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, this scene's really fucked up, um, and I'm not over it. But <laughs> I need help. It was a really cute scene up until they I mean, started it, it, talking it was straight funny heresy. With the whole like shooting it into the trash can, like that was really cute. Yeah, I love the constant reminders that she is far more physically imposing than Healy is. (laughs) He's just like, oh, that was harder than it looked. (laughs) It reminds us all that, like, you should take your almond joy and throw the trash can before you finish it. It was a heavy thunk. It was a heavy thunk in that can, which meant that there was a full. There was a lot left. Separated bar left. She was like, oh, shoot, I'd hit the button for almond joy. Bloop in the garbage. My, my, My dad, my daddy, Tim, I don't I don't want to undermine you, but. That's two times one episode that Almond Joys have been thrown away. Yeah, so obviously... That's the reason why this show is so great. <laughs> now, obviously <laughs> the point that they're trying to make, and this might be a stretch, but every time we see somebody... Moving on! Every time we see somebody, it is about how they internalize love for themselves and how it works for them and how they have to make choices. The only time the almond joy is not the choice when it is when the choice is between an almond joy and your true love. So I absolutely get the point they're trying to make where almond joy is better than all things except the people that matter the most to you. And I get that. I I, I completely get that. And we can Tim, all agree on that. Did you party with Frenchie on. before you did this podcast? Did you like party down with him a little hard? Uh, Listen, take some yeah. nose candy, nose mm. almond joys. It was really weird. He held he's up his hand like and he's this. like, hey, does this smell weird? And he just blew it in my <laughs> does face. Does smell like chloroform to you? <laughs> I, I have a question. Mm-hmm. Um, since that was a very empowered, you know, speech, how, how does that imply to the uh, Black Noir scene with uh, almond joys? Black Noir, um, obviously the thing burned. that he cares for the before, most man. in the world is where he is and what his station is. Um, <laughs> he works very hard on keeping his demeanor and his character at all times. He loves himself as everybody should. So the only thing that could make him throw away an almond joy is a sense of him losing the love for himself, which the exposition of compound V being exposed to the world uh, has potentially taken away from him. Absolutely fits. So it, it really underlines how much rage and pain he's in that he would throw away a perfectly good almond. That is like it. that is you that's, might, that's some like time to assassinate someone shit. You might not think that we get emotion from Black Noir, but him throwing away one of the best candy bars in the world <laughs> to go after Butcher is is that character development and that emotion that's that's raw emotion from black noir i mean i do have two rules you don't throw away alcohol you don't throw away chocolate i'm like a pmsing woman when it comes to chocolate so i do understand all right so super important question here uh starlight talked about her her top three candy bars craiger what are your top three candy bars and before we go through everyone, I'm just going to let you know the top three candy bars are Almond Joy, pretty much anything Reese's, and maybe a Take Five because it also has Reese's peanut butter in it. Um, mm. So go for it. Tell me, tell me <laughs> okay. how you're wrong. So, so my my favorite of all time. It's it's very simple, but I just I love Kit Kats. Kit Kats are my number one. Decent. Don't know why they just are. They're so basic. There's no peanut butter in it. What's the fucking point? <laughs> basic bitch. <laughs> basic bitches dye their hair blonde and eat Kit Kats. <laughs> What are your other two? Yeah, moving on. <laughs> what are your other two, Craiger? 
Um, Keep disappointing. I will me. say, take five is my second. Right. I chocolate and pretzels. I can live off that shit. Mm-hmm. Like so, it has chocolate pretzels, peanut butter. It's just it's everything you want and could ever need in a candy bar. Yep. It is. It is the me of candy bars. Welcome to me. <laughs> we should create a Discord channel for it. <laughs> What's number three? Um, super basic, uh, just dark chocolate. Uh, it yeah, ain't that broke. That's pretty basic. No Twix. I mean, I I like l- listen. I love all of those, and there's a time and place for everything. I love Reese's, all that, but like, I, I love chocolate. Like, I I buy semi sweet baking chocolate chips, throw them in the freezer, and then when I'm a little peckish for some sweets, just a little handful and eat those. Great little sweet little treat. So you're actually you're someone that actually appreciates the the bitter in the dark chocolate, which mm. I, I really yeah. appreciate. I really like that too. Uh, ben, yeah, little life hack, guys. Go to your local store, buy a couple bags of you know semi sweet uh. Vought chips. So chip, Vought chips. And yeah. um, throw them in your fridge or freezer. I prefer freezer. And then, you know, when you want a little sweet treat, you know, just walk over the freezer, pour a little bit in your hand, and just have a little bit time. of happiness on your day. All right. Ben, you're you know, up. Since, uh, I, well, I, I'll tell you my my top three. Um, I think that I would put Almond Joy. I think Twix is in there. Um, and it's 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 always kind of a toss-up between... Um, between Reese's peanut butter cups and just uh, and also Kit Kat. Um, but if I can relate a tangential candy story, um, I used to hide candy from Halloween all around my room. Like I'd put the Kit Kat in the vent. I would throw like a package of Smarties in, in like this fucking wicker basket that I had. I would just like seed my whole room with different kinds of candy. And one time my uh, my brother's friend came over and he was like, man, I really want some candy. And no one had any. And I had a bunch of candy. I had I had fitted. There was like this duck gourd and I put a bunch of different packages of Smarties in it. And I was like, all right, I'll give you the Smarties. But you have to eat all of them at once. <laughs> and he shoved this motherfucker shoved five packages of Smarties into his mouth and like just chewed them like a squirrel. And oh, just like just that's he, amazing. he was the, the face was so unpleasant. He just. I, that was the best Halloween ever. Was there a Great <laughs> Depression of candy where you live? No, he just didn't. He just didn't want to go out. <laughs> like this is somebody who would regularly use. Like I don't know. No, I'm asking. Why did you feel the need to go full Great Depression and hide your valuables in your wall? I'm I'm fucking weird, yo. Like look at my fucking hair. <laughs> I don't know. I had I'm, I had uh, as a follicle challenge person. I understand. I, 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 oh my god. Yeah. Um. You're beautiful. That, I've had a I had Thank a brother you. growing up, and you had to hide your candy. If you didn't, <laughs> yeah, I was worried that Tim would come rampaging oh. through. That's <laughs> <laughs> what I meant, but um, I was lucky that my brother, we didn't have the same favorite candy, so I was able to trade crap mm. for the good stuff. Oh, mm. really? Mm-hmm. He didn't. He yeah. didn't like Reese's peanut butter cups the way I did, so it was like I will give you half of my candy for your two Reese's peanut butter cups, and he was like, "Yeah," and I was like, "Sweet, I don't want any of that crap." Oh, oh my god, you must have traded almond joys at like fucking. No, like I would not trade all prices. my joy. I'd give that away. <sighs> just here, take God it. Damn. I don't want that crap. <sighs> Might make other things taste like coconut, right, and that's Dan, just the give worst. Give us your stupid fucking three candy bars. I right, number one, Reese's peanut butter cups, because right. obviously, fair. Number two, awesome. Um, right up there though, it's like neck and neck. What's your call it? That's a That's a blast from the past. Yeah. I've never had them. Call it. Yeah, they're amazing. And then number three is hundred grand. Hundred grand is good. Okay, because it is is delicious and is also something I would like to have. I right? appreciate pretzels and candy more as I get older. Yeah. Oh, I could 
I could go to Costco, get one of those big barrel of sourdough pretzels and just one sitting that. I don't like pretzels on themselves. I, I like them in the, in the candy, but I don't like them by themselves. Peanut butter or covered in something else. Um, so we move over back. What to are that. yours, Tim? <laughs> I, I said the, the I said the three correct answers: almond joys, oh, Reese's, and right. take fives. I do have one more question on candy bars, and then we'll move on. <laughs> so you, you you all say you love Reese's, and um, uh, you said you really love Twix. It's all in the mix. It is. Uh, well, have you had the cookie? Had the cookies and cream Twix that just came out recently? I have not packaging. had the cookies and cream Twix. I'm, I'm a bit of a I'm a bit of a um, a traditionalist in terms life of life changer. I want to yeah. eat that. <clears throat> and then second, I've had my heart broken before, Krieger. <laughs> well, you're you're looking at a helpless romantic. My heart's from, I'm I'm chumba wumba with heartbreak. I'll tell you what. You get up again? Oh, I get up again, and you're never going to keep me down. Very short refractory <laughs> period, Krieger. <laughs> no, but then also with Reese's, I prefer the wafer sticks over the the cups. Really? Oh, the um, the just I the Reese's, sticks. Reese's yeah. sticks. Okay, yeah, but they're like those are just those 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 those. That's like my fourth favorite candy. I I have a really important question. Actually, uh, are you left Twix or right Twix people? Ben, I don't know what the distinction is. Uh, so they actually come in separate packages now where they have red packages, which are just right <laughs> Twix and gold packages, which are just the left Twix. What the what the fuck does it say about our society that we feel the need to distinguish the left and right Twix? It's such a great marketing what is it, what campaign. Is, it's what does hilarious. It say about our psychology? It was uh, it was a bit in an ad where they're at yeah. like the factory and they had separate factories mm. for the left Twix and the right Twix. And this little kid's like. The left Twix tastes just like the right Twix, and they just fucking Willy Wonka him like off of a platform. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think what that shows us is like we all messed up and should have gone like Don Draper and been in marketing because you can make money doing dumb stuff. Yeah, ever since Tim and Eric hit the scene, you can ah oh, those Old Spice commercials with uh, Terry Crews were on another oh, level. Oh yeah, I've always. Does anyone remember that uh, Sprite commercial with the two sumo wrestlers? No. Sounds vaguely like Lyman, and there was a green oh, sumo yeah. wrestler and a yellow sumo wrestler, and they just smashed against some dude drinking a sprite in the middle, and he was just like, "Blah, I am getting tackled by sumo wrestlers," and that was the whole thing. <laughs> it was a part of the big like, "Obey Your Thirst" campaign, where everything was edgy yeah. and street. Uh, so we also like berries and cream. What was up with that shit? Well, that was a great berries commercial. And cream. I'm a little lad who loves berries and cream. It was uh, for berries Starburst. And cream, berries and cream. <laughs> we move back back to that bitch starlight uh as she asks mm asks about mm's ocd uh he taps on steering wheels cleans his coffee stirrer they made a really important point of that earlier uh she shoots a three-pointer with the almond joys we discussed earlier and they have a moment talking about uh, how they deal with stress either overeating undereating, and how no one sleeps anymore she's terrified of fucking homelander um and she's just waiting for be. him to kill her she- yeah that's valid like that's so that's yeah. a reasonable reaction yeah, to have. Kind of. I'm kind of worried about it honestly that he's just going to fucking show up at some point. Just laser eyes. Uh but she doesn't feel that way since she's been with Huey and uh then they bang. Back to the support yeah, it, group. <laughs> it, it I mean it's it's nice that we get these scenes that kind of cement their relationship. So much of their lives are just like crazy superhero business shit or like crazy spy under you know criminal shit and like when they're together they talk about such mundane nonsense like they they talk about nothing and it's like it's a reprieve for both of them from their the craziness of their lives and i I love they take the time to underline that does anyone think there's going to be more meaning behind them talking about the ocd because i felt that was 
a little bit too in depth and poignant not to come up later. Yeah, probably. I, I would assume so. They're certainly building for something. It's going to be the cause of his death. Yeah, he's going to have to turn Ooh. off like a bomb, but he presses it three times because he has OCD and <laughs> it goes off anyway. No, that, like that the, means it explodes three times as big, it's like, idiot. It's like the pen clicks. <laughs> the pen clicks in Goldeneye. Um, oh, yeah. So we go back to the support group for hot chicks or whatever the fuck this is, and this girl is talking about how uh, she liked this guy who liked Ed Sheeran, and he went to get an Ed Sheeran tattoo, and she had to go get one with him. And, you know, her tattoo looks like Ed Sheeran. And that's... That's about it. That's about it. I mean, I, I identify with that. Tim, on a whim, convinced me to get him tattooed on my forearm, and I, I regret that a little bit. Yeah. So, um, a little bit. Oh, because it wasn't big enough. No, I get you. So, yeah, we go back to Becca and Butcher as they meet up, uh, and they also start to bang. Everyone's fucking in this episode. Um, well, that's, I thought the, it was on the- that's the core of it, right? That the the whole different kinds of love, different kinds of relationships. That's yep. the theme of the episode. Um. They uh, have a post-coitus chat about smoking, uh, about his beard, and she talks about how Joke she's... Joke from the comics, he did not have a beard. Oh. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, and this, he... this is new. And in any flashback, he doesn't either. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, I, I hear it shows character growth, or that Star Trek is getting better. <laughs> he's just he's just saying that because us three have beards and he doesn't. Tim got that. Yeah. I'll take it. Um. <laughs> she talks about how she's been in this compound pretty much since she gave birth to Ryan. Um, she talks about how she's been going through the motions effectively for, I mean, I don't know if we've been told how old Ryan is, but assuming seven, eight, nine, ten years almost probably. Um, ten seems about right. And. And Ryan's happiness is what matters. <laughs> Tim just glitched. I lost my, lost my spot. Um. <laughs> She talks about how Ryan's happiness is really that's all that matters. Regardless of how it happened, it's it's her son and mm-hmm. you know, he needs to be protected. Uh I think it I think it's an important for her to kind of like talk about how this has been for her because we, we don't know who she is. Like we we haven't been interacting with Becca. We have no idea if she is a housewife to be like if if that was always her plan, if that was her personality. And we see her talking about smoking a joint with him to see, seeing talking about how she didn't sign up for this lifestyle. Like we we clearly we're getting a lot of characterization for someone that we have just met, even though she's very plot important. Yeah. The most we've seen from her is that flashback to the Christmas party, right? When she got like the ad campaign to work on Homelander stuff. And that was for the most part it. Um, mm-hmm. She says Butcher Butcher is going to love Ryan. Uh, and I'm getting a strong fucking vibe. Butcher's gonna fucking kill this kid. Uh, yeah, I, 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 like I said, the other episode is like this kid is the manifestation of Butcher loving his wife versus Butcher hating Homelander. And how is he going to reconcile? Which side of that is he going to come down on? Is sort of the big question. Yeah, my little, my little romantic naive ass was all like. No, he really means it. Like, he's okay with it. They're not going to, they're he, he's not going to let Ryan come in between them because they're in love. And like, I need this in my life. Please don't ruin this. I, I felt that a little too. I appreciate <laughs> but that. I know Craig. better. Yeah, because what was it, episode two of this season when we were having the discussion uh, and Butcher lied to everyone about what the deal with Mallory was again. And I was like, right, but he lied last time. He won't do it again. He's different. <laughs> I think he's learned his lesson. <laughs> um. We get a similar juxtaposition earlier where we see 
the transition over to Starlight and Huey again and kind of how they have uh, drastically different lives right now, just as Butcher and Becca do. Um, one is living under a pawn shop. The other one has a very sterile existence where she's just trying to survive. But at the end of the day, they are both just trying to survive the situation that they are currently in. Um, Butcher says that he's going to... Shit. Bollocks. We don't back, jump back over to Starlight and Huey. I was just comparing this scene to them. That's all. We're still with Booker and Betcha. Booker. <laughs> Fuck. Booker and Betcha. Booker and Betcha. Uh, Ren and Ren. Can we call them Booker and Betcha from now on? Yeah. So, <laughs> Booker and Betcha uh, say he's going to save her from all this, and he's going to do nothing but try to. Uh, and she's like, he's going to do nothing. Fuck it. I can't read my own goddamn notes anymore. Great. What the fuck? <laughs> I was like, what are you even saying? I'm having a stroke. <laughs> yeah, having a strong it, it, call cool. yeah, but, um, Butcher says that he's going to try to save her from all that. Um, and that he's done nothing but try to kill Homelander since he thought Becca died by his hand. Yes. Becca um, had asked him what he had been up to since things had happened. And he's like, oh, I've started a you know private security firm. We do bar mitzvahs <laughs> and weddings. Uh, just just kidding. I've only tried to kill Homelander. It's been the only thing that I've tried to done uh, yeah. since you've left. Yeah. And I thought that was also an interesting dynamic. How is all like, I would be nothing without you. You know, like I need you in my life, you know? Yeah. Like I wouldn't be where I am. If it wasn't for you. And we've we've seen him without her, and he's totally different. He he is a not good, very difficult person to to like. He 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 becomes something of a monster, or at least somebody for whom like huge difficult acts of violence are possible. Sort of remind me of kind of like the Last of Us. Um, the main character in that is uh you know somebody who everything that they're doing it's for this person, but it requires them to to commit a lot of atrocities in the name of that person. Um, we shoot back over to Homelander and Maeve. They're on a daytime talk show. Um, with Maria Menuno. With Maria Menuno. <laughs> oh, they got a spot on Maria? <laughs> and uh, They're regulars, according to the little extra information. She's t- uh, He's talking about how super villains, not super terrorists, are out there and real, but the seven are here to protect the people. Uh, the host asks about Compound V. Homelander kind of plays dumb, shifts everything back to that monster, Madeline Stilwell. Uh, The host kind of follows up with this and is talking about the demographics on supers. And since that we all know that Voight makes supers, why is it all that I fuck? Ah, shit. (laughs) Just all downhill from here, folks. Um, She she also used the hashtag heroes so white which totally sounds like it could exist i wrote that yeah. down because it was totally like playing off of the uh oscar so white thing that happened. Like- yes it's so good i miss that That's completely one of the things i keep on I you know bringing back is that they are not afraid to use current events in their mm-hmm. portrayal of their universe and characters and the, the very real issues that they're talking about so like that oscar so white hero so white thing is so fucking spot on ah I, I love Homelander's uh, uh, response, like, oh, coming in with the hardballs, are we now? Like, it's like, totally, it's like, like, you can, like, he's, like, his facade Maria. of, like, I'm, impene- I'm impenetrable, like, nothing phases me is, like, slowly chipping away. Yeah, 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 yeah. I love his response of, like, we have A-Train and Black Noir, who doesn't identify as a race, A-Train. so we got them covered. Like, <laughs> I love that, like, we got them covered. Uh. <laughs> and then... 
he says, and we have a gay hero. And then fucking outs Maeve and how she has a Hispanic girlfriend. So, you know, it's even more PC. Um, mm. What a fucking cockbag. Right. This, fucking is, this is fucking awful. On national it's television. Vile. What a piece of shit. Um, there's and it's vile on a level we don't expect, too, because we're used to him just committing regular atrocities good old american <laughs> violence and this is like so much more personal and it's to someone that he has told before that he has a deep connection with mave so he's willing not just to throw regular people under the bus but also people who actually mean something to him or at least are more than just you know civilians yeah uh but i i also took it as like he always protects Vought and the Vought image and that's definitely not protecting the Vought image like bringing that out if it is, it's a bad, it's a poorly planned one. Yeah. Like Maeve is every bit as much of odd image as he is. Um, so yeah, it, it, it is, it is for his own skin. It is, it is to deflect, uh, onto someone else. He's scapegoating, right? Yes. It, it's not merely to deny you have to give up something juicier for the fish to gobble at. And that's what he's doing here. Yeah. Um, and, and the worst part about it is that Maeve can't actually, they they get off screen they get off the set and Maeve is like why did you say that but she doesn't tear into him she doesn't like get mad because getting mad at Homelander just means that you're on the laser list so like there's nothing you like she can't actually get him to feel bad or do penance or anything like that she just is like are you gonna go kill my girlfriend now <laughs> like right. that's the right. only thing that she can bring to mind she can't actually she can't actually call him out for his shitty behavior because what's she going to do about it? He cannot be punished. Correct. Uh, ah. He catches a, a peep uh, from a TV uh, hanging off the ceiling uh, showing Stormfront continuing to bring the people together against the propaganda machine that is Vought. She has a following of hashtag storm, tra- storm chasers heeding her call. Uh it cuts from the TV to them actually there in the city square and her kind of giving this uh, impromptu address. And Kamiko is making her way through the crowd. We get not, some not real- just an address. She's giving like a caravan speech. She's yeah. like warning about the dangerous brown people who want to who hate our freedom. Like it's it now that we know she's a new neo-Nazi, it's like all pretty transparent. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Too soon. It's all pretty <laughs> obvious. <laughs> oh man um we get some tense music uh we hear the heartbeat uh kind of sound effect coming in as kamiko flashes back uh to stormfront killing kenji as she is about to pounce frenchie grabs her arm in that moment of hesitation stormfront finishes what she's doing and takes off to a cheering crowd because apparently she can fly yeah They're all, they can all fly and they are all invulnerable. It sucks. Everything's up the deep. The deep only can talk to fish. <laughs> and Kamiko is fucking pissed. As much as someone, you know, who does not normally go by Kevin because they understand the connotation of Kevin uh, would be. Would, yes. Oh, um, oh boy. Um, <laughs> Kamiko takes off from Frenchie. She's obviously fucking mad. 
I really like that Frenchie steps in here. Like, yeah, back to that whole yeah. like, yes, it's sexual, but also like there is a genuine care for this person. There's a genuine he sees something in her that he wants to help and protect. There's something in the back of my mind that is just hoping that just Frenchie made a, a, a it actually was a drug fueled just like, hey, I don't know what to do. Oh, fuck. Like, and how, just how do I comfort the woman? Correct. This is how I generally have comforted the woman. Right. Um, I, I, I agree. I hope it's not actually sexual. I hope it's just like this is someone who thing. means something to me and I'm trying to help them. Yeah. So meanwhile, um, Huey, M.M. and Starlight have made it to what I think we had all assumed was Liberty's house. Um, and initially they're turned away by Valerie at the door. Um, Valerie kind of alludes that she thinks they're with Vaught. M.M. steps in a little bit and says, um, you know, hey, we're we're not with Vaught. I don't know who you think we are, but we're probably just again, yeah. as against them as you are. Um, and she ends up opening up a little bit, though still pretty resistant. This is where M.M. gives her his story about his father, pretty much a, a, a paraphrased version of what ben said earlier with a lot less detail unfortunately and it, and it does seem like mm gets a lot more detailed um filling out in the comics than in this show but yeah he talks about how something had happened uh, his dad tries to fight vaught and vaught just pommels him with lawyers and money just it's one dude against a tidal wave there's nothing he can do about it yeah. and then right. one morning he wakes up and his dad is just dead at the typewriter. It is my assumption that it's alluded to that some that Vault killed him, like on purpose, mm. sent someone in to assassinate him or murder him. Um, though I suppose it could have been from from overwork as well. I think the the overwork is the way it, it played in the comics, and there was no shortage of Vaught is a piece of shit and deserves bad things to happen to them, and they have fucked over this family personally but it doesn't really fit with their holier than thou greater than anything you can bring at us vibe for them to care about this lone person who has a grievance like they probably have many right um so i think it is just kind of the overwork thing but it it plays into the point that both valerie and mm have very real grievances with vaught because it's a juggernaut of a company and there's a lot of collateral damage around that and Seeing these two stories kind of juxtaposed next to each other really gives you a lot of, of depth of like the ways in which it gobbles up and spits out the carcasses of, of, of regular people. So Valerie lets a man and tells them her story, which is when she was 11 years old, she was in the backseat of her parents' car. Her brother Myron was driving and Liberty uh, confronts the car, stops it. It's rainy. Everything's looking really fucking dark and stormy. Pulls out Myron. Uh, and says, you know, this car has been used in a robbery tonight and you're under arrest and just fucking splatters him, um, caves his skull in like just that fucking was, awful. I know they're very graphic, but I, I like it kind of like, oh, I forgot. like showing it. Yeah, like that was like I was not ready for that. She says a whole bunch of just super fucking racist shit and takes and like, off. And like, let's check the moment that we're in. That that's pretty resonant with like, you know, say his name, say Myron. Like this is like pretty resonant with like current Black Lives Matter shit. Yep. Like one to one. It's like what you've been saying this entire time. They're bringing very topical stuff. But like, I also like how like, like there are some shows that like kind of like make it like too much. You know, like it's only about this. We're political. And no, it's like it's it's very fitting in the story. But like, it's bringing up some very real issues that like need to be talked about, you know, like. And uh, just it, it 
it's okay to feel uncomfortable because like it shows you that there needs to be change, you know? I, I think it's really nice how like they, they make it clear enough that it's an allegory to that because like it it's not the police, but it's a person in power who isn't going to be questioned and they're doing it with racial motives in mind. Mm-hmm. And the problem isn't that they're doing it. The problem is that they're not being held to account. And it's never. Yeah. And I think it's really important that they're not. They never do it in a. I hesitate to use the term, but they don't do it in the virtue signaling way. And it's never too forced these are these are things that happen and they are detailed um it's, it's not specifically to match the moment they, they do that but it's in pursuit of recreating this story that is so much about a corporation that is soulless and kills innocent people and how far do you have to get from soulless corporation to any of our difficult moments right now it, it's a short jump so right. they're including all of these different pieces but the core of it is is faithful to the original content um, so we, we pan back out from this scene and Valerie is continuing to tell the story about kind of what happened next, that she wanted to fight. She wanted to bring this to the police. She wanted to do something about it. And her parents just effectively told her, I mean, what's, you can't fucking do anything. Nothing's going to happen. Um, a man from vault comes and effectively pays them off to keep silent and, up and as as she talks about being paid off or that her family was paid off, I assumed it was a substantial sum from the way yeah, it was presented. Same. We end up finding out it was two thousand um, dollars, which even in the late seventies is not a human life uh, by any stretch. The of The story imagination. started with Huey being offered like forty five thousand dollars for yeah. Robin's death, mm-hmm. and that was an accident. Right. That wasn't a deliberate execution of a black man for right. being black. Um, yeah. Huey says that Valerie kind of warns him. It's like, don't go up against her. You can't do this. Don't start shit with her. And Huey's like, well, no one's seen Liberty since 1979. And Valerie gets right up and grabs a very recent mm-hmm. paper and says, no, that's Liberty right there and points to a picture of Stormfront. Which was like, wait, what? I think I said that when I was watching. I just went, uh, what? I, yeah. I definitely pulled the meme up from uh, the, the Leonardo DiCaprio from uh, the, the ho- Once Upon a Time Hollywood movie where like he sits up and points. I was doing that. I was all like, that's what Ben was saying about Nazi. I was just, oh, I was like, it's from the comics. And she's like, Nazi. He's coming back. I was like, oh, oh, he called Always it. more Nazi. <laughs> um, do we think that this is real? Do we think that this is... Is this a daughter? Is it actually her? They kind of get into a little bit of like whether Compound V extends people's lives or not. I guess maybe it really hasn't been around for enough generations yet to establish whether that's a thing or not. It's either that or storefront clones, right? Well, I don't, I don't know. I like too. something later in the episode makes me feel like it is the same person. I, I do feel I like it's the same person as well. I just think with this show... I, I feel like I can't make a prediction because it could easily right. go either way. It could be that they already told us who she is, or it could be another red herring. I, I, I just don't know. Maybe this a doppelganger. Show, all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, I rewound back when like when they show up to her house and they show up the picture of Liberty, and I paused it. I'm all like, it didn't, oh. it didn't look like Stormfront. Oh, really? Okay. Huh. Maybe that was marketing. Huh. Maybe that's vault marketing. Yeah, but it was like that old school, you know, um, 
like pinup style Budweiser yeah. ad where like it's yeah. very much cartoon. It's a little more cartoon on the cartoony side. So, right. So we we jump back over to Homelander, who is watching just some really incredibly <laughs> shitty forced corporate memes. You didn't like, like the memes? memes? Out of, oh, the memes were great. I didn't like the majority of them. The one of the the jealous girlfriend yes. and the guy looking. The jealous girlfriend that one was good. Was so good. A lot of them reminded me of that Wendy's ad where it was like, oh, and here's the memer over here. And it's like, oh, eat a big juicy Wendy's burger like a boss. And I was just like, oh, fuck you. <laughs> you didn't like you didn't um, like Black Noir sipping the tea? <laughs> I did. So the, like I said, I there like were so many. Black Noir. That's not fair. There were a couple bangers <laughs> in there. But uh, every demo. Oh, sorry. Homelander just fucking runs in and confronts Stormfront. And he just goes into this like really petty like every I I still I'm still better in eighteen to twenty five and thirty five to forty five and toddler. I'm better in all the demographics. Toddler, and always it's just toddler. Like, He's such a toddler. So yeah. great, so great. Oh. My dad owns a dealership, and <laughs> it's just this is an eighty one Honda. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> to Stormfront gives two shits. Fucking if that. Not even. I was gonna say not even two. Homelander's eyes go red, uh, and she actually is like, ah, uh, okay, she gets all serious right. there. She's like, whoa, that okay. was that was the first time we've actually seen her scared in the entire series. Yes, and I don't think it was scared. It was just like, oh, all right, let's de-escalate. I'm gonna stop poking you right now. And well, I guess she even says like, okay, I think I went too far there. Yeah, but let's let's be civil. Uh, but she knows she he can't just kill her in the in this penthouse, right? Like he there's. How? What's he gonna do to answer for that? Like, obviously, it's gonna be him if she's lasered in half. So, I mean, Homelander very legitimately thinks that she is trying to take the seven away from him. That she is trying to dethrone him and take his place as America's um, symbol of hope. Baby boy. Stormfront <laughs> compares. He's Stormfront my good compares, boy. Uh, He's my very good his boy. His marketing campaign, his $234,000 Save America campaign against her five dudes in a van working for Arby's gift cards, just making memes and fucking crushing him. Um, she references he has an image problem and tries to actually convince him that she's trying to help him because the people she's recruiting are soldiers that will work for that her. fucking people got that me. He is, Dude, it really did. Oh, man. Uh, <sighs> Like, okay, she's a neo-Nazi who probably rubs the older generation the wrong way and is, uh, but the young, her base loves her, but, you know, she doesn't, she, she, she pokes at the corporate structures that are intact and saying, hey, we need a change here. It's not working for you guys. Uh, and she uses anger and hatred as tools and says, you have fans. I have soldiers. Is anybody, is anybody else thinking what I'm thinking here? (laughs) Like it's, whew. But like the, the the two biggest things I took from this scene was one, she felt like she was sexually coming on to um It did. Oh yeah, she Homelander. certainly did. But also yeah, was- the biggest thing that kind of cemented to me that she is Liberty and it's not a clone is she's like, You gotta change with the times. I did. You know I did. Yeah. I was like, now, <gasps> there it is. <laughs> I thought that that was too heavy handed for this show. It so, seemed to, yeah, pretty on the nose. It but is. maybe it they're doing that. Be on the nose. I don't know. Right. Can't tell what they show. Well, that's so that's why I'm kind of thinking she might not be mm. Liberty because that was so heavy handed. They're trying to make us think that for, for a twist later. Who knows? That's a good point. Because it's the boys and they actually legitimately surprise us. Um, but 
we did get that really weird sexual notion where it almost yeah. seems like she has Homelander's number and she knows that she can 100% control him by establishing herself in that Mallory role. Mm. Um, yeah, it, it does seem like she's trying to get him to ascend to be like, like assuming this. And I, I just have to assume with her because she's a neo-Nazi yep. that um, she is trying to advance a neo-Nazi cause in her place in the seven. And I think that she sees Homelander as a way to do that. So if she can convince him somehow or manipulate him somehow to advance that cause, um, then that's 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 her aim. She knows she can't quite be the leader of the seven, but she can be enough of a rock in his shoe to get his attention and then kind of work her way from the inside. And I think the sexual advance thing is is kind of part of that. But it's so it's all so subtle. It's just in their like the maybe she just like Aryans. I don't know. They look at each other. So what do we think her actual deal is? What's she actually shooting for here? I have no idea. You're right. No clue. Is she trying to take him out? Is she trying to lift him up? Is she trying to be his friend? Is she want to work with him against him? I have no fucking clue. It feels to me like um, she's trying to drive him to something, but I don't have a goddamn clue what. Yeah, we just don't know enough about her at this point to to what what could her motivations be at this point? We just don't really know other than she hates people that aren't white. That's the big mystery of this season, though, and they've just kind of oh shit there's this really big plot hole of like we don't know where she came from oh she's apparently an immortal okay now we we need to do some do a little bit more digging like that's the big mystery that they're setting up for the second half right Mm. um and and it seems to me one of the most terrifying things outside of at the end of the last episode it seemed well these two are going to butt heads and that is going to be the plot of the season um the thing that's more terrifying than either one of these people being in charge is them actually working together yeah oh um, yikes so i'm curious really for where this goes we had given our predictions uh about whether we thought stormfront was going to last the season or not and i mean she might be around a little bit longer than we were initially anticipating but once again you know they got compound v in half an episode and distributed it to the world so well who knows she uh that does cut that was kind of swept under the rug th- during this episode there yep. wasn't much about that other oh, than yeah. like in the background in noises the and tvs in the background yeah, yeah. it's just kind of like eh, people don't really care that much so we shoot back over to becca and butcher becca shows up they were supposed to meet here and she's there without ryan uh she sensed Butcher's hesitation to bring Ryan and assumed what everyone probably assumed, which was that he was going to do something to get rid of him and calls him out for it literally immediately. Uh, I actually really liked that she did this. I wasn't expecting it. I assumed that we were once again, I was expecting us to get some fucking soap opera bullshit um, and that the world would provide an opportunity for Butcher to continue to do the things that Butcher does. Um, and I really like that they didn't go that way about it, that she was smarter than that. and. She does love Butcher, but she also knows who Butcher is and has seen what he's turned into. Um, And since her disappearance, he's been on nothing but the warpath and even tells him you've always been a person that is one bad day away from murdering someone in the parking lot. Mm. And that's literally a, a one sentence character description for him. That's pretty spot on. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That- she it, says it, that, it brings yeah. the mind back to like what he was saying about like she made me better or or whatever or like I need her to be a better person and she's like 
I'm, I'm, I cannot fix you. There's something deeper in you that I cannot fix. There's something, there's some darkness in you that is uncurable. Um, and that's, that's more or less it. Like that's, uh, she's just, I'm out. I can't do it. Um, if you're going to, if that darkness can't be fixed, so my child will not be safe near you. And that's, that's it. That's all we can do. And that's true to the comics, right? Um, she, she, she also sees in, uh, in him that there is, if she were to tell him about Homelander, he would just go try to hunt and kill Homelander, which is why in the comics she doesn't say anything about it because she understands his character to that degree. And she takes that with her to her grave and it only comes out because she wrote in her diary, like, don't, I just can't tell Billy, I can't tell Billy about this because he will get himself killed trying to avenge me. Yeah. And she's no dummy. Yep. Well, yeah. And, and it was also, yeah. it was a really good, like, emotional, like, relational, like, thing that they brought up was like i you can't put that on another person like you can't it's not fair to be with someone and say you're the only reason i'm this way i can't do this without you like that you can't put that on someone like that's not emotionally fair that that was what huey did last episode of being like you're like my second wind you're the only thing keeping me in this world like basically saying if you leave me i'll commit suicide more or less Mm. agreed total total agreement that's Really this is unfair. almost worth if if you don't prevent me from killing myself, I'm going to kill everyone around you. Yeah, it's and a, yeah, and, it's basically like yeah. he was saying, like, oh, it's a positive, you know, like you're making me my best self, and like to her, it's a negative. It's like, no, I have the burden of like you won't you you will do bad things if I don't prevent you from doing them, like like that. Yeah, yeah um, that's true. So, but yeah, she reaffirms Homelander did rape her, um, and instead of going to butcher. She went to Vought because Butcher was always looking for a warpath to be on. I was happy that she stated outright, no, Homelander raped me. It wasn't any like, you know, flirtatious, yeah. like schoolgirl crush because of he's a big, strong superhero. No, that like what you assume happened ab- absolutely is the case. We're not wrong about that. Mm-hmm. And I, I was really happy for that line because at this point I was like, I can't remember season one well enough <laughs> to remember exactly what happened. Did they explain it? it and then vague. she said it and it I was, was like, okay, thank you. Yeah. All right. That's like, why I couldn't it, remember. It was very much what, what Tim said. How it's like, you know, I'm waiting for the cell proper thing to happen. Like you're like kind of sitting right. like, no, please don't know. But like oh, when she's saying I'm sorry and driving away, my heart broke. Yeah. yeah. That was rough. And what's it going to do to butcher? Um, this, this is this and is she said this that, is the like, only thing sure his emotions i'll tell you what <laughs> and she like hit the thing and she was like they're gonna be here in six every every guard yeah. in this compound is gonna be here in 60 seconds you gotta yeah. go i'm sorry and <sighs> it was like oh that is harsh well, she, yeah she knows she has to do that yeah. right or he won't it's like you know getting the dog to go away yeah harry and the hendersons <laughs> <laughs> so ben did did that She's not around in the comics, right? She's dead by the beginning of the comics. In, in the comics, she dies after uh, Homelander rapes her, and uh, she gives birth to a fetus baby, super fetus thing that uh, kills her in the um, in the premature birth, and then Butcher clubs it to death with a lamp. Because <laughs> of course he does. Good. What? He <laughs> really went all lamp ladder on that one, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> Super ironic. Um, but yeah, so in the comics, he only has the one mode, which is vengeance the entire way through. In this one, wow. he's a little more variable, which I'm, I'm interested to see where it goes. I, I'll confess, I kind of want him to just go back into straight vengeance mode. 
because I I like that butcher. He, like he's he's really yeah. raw and cold, mm. and I miss it a little. The thing I'm I kind of hope he doesn't, and I I hope that because everything that he does is for the purpose of uh, avenging Becca and now getting Becca back. If he sees that this lifestyle is literally preventing him right now from being able to move forward with Becca, that in true butcher fashion, everything going forward will be anti that. But, but, but part know, of the, but part have, of the point is not that it is to save his wife. Part of the point is that it gives him an outlet for his rage. Um, and I think that that is going to win and he will just be like, um, problem is actually Homelander. Let's just stick to the script. I need to kill Homelander. <laughs> that's that's the guess. My cynical side is like the show's called The Boys. Like no one's gonna want to watch Butcher running around with Becca and Ryan. Like that's not gonna sell. That's probably true. Yeah, I don't know. Season three <laughs> opener. I could see that for an episode. <laughs> like just to kind of give us that false sense of security at first. Then everybody dies. Yeah, lasered. And then then we cut to and Butcher wakes up and yeah, everyone's on fire and lasered into. Oh shit! How did I um, sleep through that? Ryan Ryan goes full Joffrey. <laughs> no, you yeah, never go full just, Joffrey. Gets the gets the tummy troubles for eating that spoiled milk. I mean, who knows what oh. he would do? So <laughs> we shoot milk. back over to oh. Anika. Uh, still looking for Butcher with Black Noir, and they spot some video. Guess what? Of book Butcher Booker, fuck me, of Butcher jumping over that gate, flipping off the camera, and it's just a great fucking Butcher scene of just the just hey. that look as he fucking runs away. Like how what, you you know this is a heavily guarded compound, and you're just gonna not even like try to cover your face. You're gonna look directly at the camera yeah. and just like. Just doesn't give any fucks. Instead of saying, uh, when he hits the ground after his jump, he goes, oh, cunts. <laughs> I wonder who it is. What type of security um, system is this where it's all like, there's millions of cameras, so he doesn't be seen. But like, he flips off a camera and that doesn't mean anything. Like, yeah, they watch yeah. him do and it. And immediately, the <laughs> first thing he does after it. he jumps over the wall, it looks right at a camera, flips it off, and then still nobody does anything for at least 12 hours. Yeah, I was expecting unregistered hypercam to be in the bottom right hand corner because it's just some fucking dude's webcam that he just has on. I, did, I, just, I just picture like some like underpaid security guard just piss off, like, sees it and just. Flips them off back and goes back to work. <laughs> or like, sees it and just like, Fuck me! I want to see. No! I want to see where this is going. Let's 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 roll. Let's let's see how this plays out. <laughs> um, so they know that that he's been getting in and out of the compound. Uh, Starlight and Huey, uh, back to them have a moment. Huey does the traditional, uh, kind of like. You know, anytime you want an almond joy, you just hit me up and kind of like makes the assumption <laughs> oh that, boy. you know, everything's fine. Everything's great now because we fucked. So we're back together. And once again, the juxtaposition of these scenes of of Becca being like, you know what? No, this isn't going to work. I know who you are. Love is there, but Starlight the circumstances does the are not. Same thing. Yeah. Listen, I care about you, but we can't do this. This is not good for either of mm-hmm. us. And it, and it could get us both killed. I'm sorry, but that's it. Yeah. Um, she gives him one last kiss goodbye. And, uh, you know, I was sitting there waiting. Like, like when they pulled away, I was like, oh, is someone videotaping this right now? I was like, <gasps> when they kiss. But luckily right. it didn't go that way. Yeah. So if he ever wants to, you know, know what it's like to kiss her again, he's going to have to start to enjoy almond joy. <laughs> well, it's like they said in How I Met Your Mother, like chem- all relationships need chemistry and timing. 
chemistry is easy. Timing's a bitch. Yeah, yeah. It, it, mm. it definitely highlights the fact that like Vought is just ruining people's lives in a much subtler way. Also, like th- these are both casualties of Vought being shitty, not directly, but indirectly. And just like it just I don't know. There's just a lot of collateral damage to the fact that they're both involved with this 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 intrigue plot that it just isn't uh, isn't working out great for. We uh, we cut to someone in this what we assume is a support group thing again. And it is this girl talking about how um, sex is great and sex is uh, liberating and, you know, let's just fuck or whatever. <laughs> yeah, it's a good sell. And there's the deep. <laughs> what the fuck? Like, wait, what? And there's Carol. And they are filming interviews. interviews. Yeah, they, okay, this, this, this requires a moment's consideration. What what exactly is, is this organization? It's Scientology, yes. Yeah. They are trying to get a, a, a wife for the... So, basically, what Carol says to the Deep is like, hey, we, we need to get you a wife so you can be nice and presentable, so you can rejoin the Seven with the new image. That's that's our goal here. Mm-hmm. I don't yet understand why the Church of the Collective is helping the Deep, because it reads a little bit like trying to get Tom Cruise into the Senate so that he can advance Scientology causes. Like, is is that the idea here? Is that they're just trying to get a cult member implanted into the Seven? Feels more like trying to get Steve-O well, into the Seven. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think both of those are accurate. Uh, but it does, it does breathe very Scientology. We have... We have someone that is in our organization. We feel like we've had him in the fold now. Let's get him hooked up, get him locked down, and then put him back in place, but with our brand on him. Um, and at this point, I don't really know if the collective is a good or a bad thing, just from the way it's being presented. I assume it's obviously evil, yeah. but you never know in the boys. Yeah. What, what, um, what keeps throwing me off is the fact that like Carol is Ross's ex-wife, and it just keeps throwing me off every time. Oh, oh, is she? Oh, yeah. Huh. You guys didn't pick up to notice that? No, I don't have as good a catalog on friends as you you do, I suppose. I'm really good with faces. I'm terrible with everything else in life. Just faces. I had seen him. I had a meme and it was um, her character from that show and her character from this show with Pam Beasley from The Office being like, what's the difference between these two? And her being like, they're, they're exactly the same. <laughs> uh, it's the same picture. She was so always a Scientologist. Should- <laughs> we uh go back over for i mean just another great homelander scene they're all He's wonderful oh just, what a beautiful boy <laughs> flies flying back to that cabin in the deep woods the doppeldonger we get a different vibe though uh doppeldonger as madeline comes in the same exact way glass of milk comes in fingers the milk tries to put it in his mouth he's not about it he recoils from her touch. He turns away when she tries to touch his face. Things get tense insanely quickly. Yeah. Homelander says he doesn't need anyone but himself. This is something Stormfront had told him. Yeah. You know, you don't need everybody to like you. You need people willing to follow you. You don't need anybody else. And he's bought it. And he kind of repeats it. He's like, I don't, I don't need anyone but me. Yeah. And yeah. Doppeldonger you know quick to change into homelander and a nighty it's so good and 
He walks up oh. and he's like, ah, so you want to fuck yourself. Because Doppeldonger has had one verb in this show so far, which is to change into sex objects and then have people fuck him for money. So when yep. Homelander makes this, when he, when he makes this declaration of, I'm the only person I need is me, it doesn't register to Doppeldonger as like self-actualization. He's like, oh, he wants to fuck himself. <laughs> he's like, I got something for that. Just hold on a second. Yeah, I know exactly what you need. So uh, <laughs> Doppel Homelander Donger offers to suck Homelander's dick. He gets down there so we can look him in the eye. And he even says, like, I want you to look into your own eyes as you come or something like that. And Homelander doesn't react well. A tear well, no, rolling down his I cheek. Felt, I it felt react like at all they, for a while. they sold it a little bit. We're like, there was a there was there was a couple moments. I'm like, oh, he might be into this. Yeah, no, he's giving yeah. horned faces. These are horned faces. That, that like he's definitely he's definitely buying into the sexual aspect of it. But the part that brings mm-hmm. him back from it is where mm. he keeps on saying, you know, you're my good boy. Everybody loves you. Kind of giving these you know validation things that homelander used to need and now look very childish to him now that stormfront has said like you don't need people to love you so it brings him back from the brink and i think in part this is him evolving past the need for madeline like he was grieving over not having somebody to tell him that he was special and loved and all that and he's he's finally kind of moving on which i'd be happy for if it didn't mean that he was just going to be a gigantic asshole about it (laughs) so he pulls up Doppeldonger to see him face to face. I was so nervous. Grabs him by the neck and yells, I don't need anyone. I don't need you. Well, and he, and he breaks his he neck. He breaks snaps his, neck. his neck. He falls on the ground. And I was all like, is he going to change back to what he really looks like? And he didn't. I assumed he was going to. And then he did. Yeah, he didn't. Oh, so now we got a Homelander weird. corpse in a props department that we can use. Ooh. I like as teenager as it is Homelander being able to tell what he feels is the previous version of himself that he no longer needs that old Homelander. It's so good. And then is able to kill it off is a really nice way to, to show him killing his previous form. It's so cathartic. Um, Yeah. Yeah can really start not start over but he can really embrace what he's becoming here right he doesn't need to shave his head and and have a different diet so because now he's a different person as it grows back in uh, he's already killed uh the homelander that would have hucks that would have sucked homelander's dick you know that homelander is no more the one superpower he never had <laughs> <laughs> no i i totally agree and I, I actually didn't pick up on it when it like i don't need you anymore he's talking to his old self that's a i yeah, think that's he's actually talking true. to himself I love it. I loved that. Oh, yeah. You are weak. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I am the homeland. <laughs> um, <laughs> do it. <laughs> That's what I was saying when Doppeldonger was, was down there like, do it. Suck his dick. Suck your dick, Homelander. Um, but has Stormfront put Homelander on a, on a path to destroy Homelander? Sorry. Has, yeah, has has Stormfront put Homelander on on the path to destroy himself, 
or to actually become a better person himself. We, we've, we've talked actually about this already a couple times, but the phrase, I don't need everyone to love me from Homelander is an absolutely terrifying concept. Yes. Mm. Because everything that Homelander is, is the character Homelander. He is in that, he embodies that at all times. Um, and that embodiment that he's been portraying needs America's affection, needs to be seen as the savior, as the protector, as the hope. Um, it's the only thing that fettered him to towing the line and being civil. His his canary was the persona of Homelander mm. and what Homelander meant to the media and what Homelander meant to Vaughn. Ooh, I like that. And with that gone. Yeah, I, I think that what he's gonna the do. intent I mean. of this was to propel Homelander into becoming something more than what he was. Like I had said earlier, yeah. he was kind of in these doldrums of pretending to be a regular family man. And, you know, time to time to hit the hey, son, got basketball practice in the morning. And, you know, that uh, baseball practice. What am I talking about? This is America, damn it. Um, but the, the, the point is, like, I think that uh, it, maybe it wasn't Stormfront, maybe it wasn't Vought, but homelander at least feels the need now to go beyond his uh his the persona that he's crafted for himself i think that stormfront wanted that i don't know what Mm -hmm. to to what end she wanted it but i think she was trying to kick him out of his comfort zone yeah that's i think that's one of the big things we're gonna learn is like storm it's really hard to discern what stormfront is doing for her own gain or vod's gain you know like you don't really know where she's coming from yet right mm, totally yeah. and i could see it literally i think it makes sense from any angle i makes i think it makes sense for her to be brought out of retirement by vod to by, oh, by um, for one last mission yeah no i like that actually like she's somebody who who they can't have in the public eye for too long anymore but like just for Mm -hmm. we're just gonna have you in here for a little bit to get him back on his game and then you're good and that might be the game stan edgar plays maybe he put this into motion to have her do this for him so he doesn't want to fuck around with a man baby yeah you know what i mean he wants someone that's going to get shit done Mm -hmm. and further and push the envelope for kind of what they've been going for the whole time yeah i like that i so, like that and it's yeah. so interesting like all the phrases all the kind of political machinations in the seven and in vaught they're all about controlling a single person because he is the image of the seven he is the the face of vaught in most ways he is the most powerful hero he's so special my good yeah. boy such yeah. a good boy <laughs> so from storm Lander. Front? I almost said it. I almost said Lander. From Stormfront's <laughs> angle, Lander. from, from Vought's <laughs> angle, I could see anyone being on anyone's side. This is going to get Homelander out of the picture so we mm-hmm. can fucking move on, or this is going to bring Homelander where we need him to be yeah. so we can move on. I think it's probably um, more the second, but it yeah. wouldn't surprise me if they tried to just off him in some way. I mean, they can't just they can't just roll up on him and shoot him in the back of the head, you know? Yeah, I, 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 I am getting the feeling that, like, I think um, Stormfront is hired by Vought to stir things up and do some things. That's why it's on the news and nothing's being said about it. But I do think she thinks for herself and she's got some very neo-Nazi plans up her sleeve. She clearly has ambitions. Yeah. And I, I think yes. I, I do think that she what she's doing with Homelander is more for herself than for Vought. Hmm. Yeah. I think I'd, yep. I think I'd Vought? sign off on that. Voight. I can't tell Voight. which one. I don't know what's right now. Yeah. 
that just, it's spelled like bought. I don't know what's wrong with you guys. Listen, I, I'm illiterate. I'm a high school dropout. What do you want from me? Um, Whatever da- daddy says, it goes, you know? Yeah. So, so that brings us to the end of episode four. Um, once again, thank you for joining us uh, here at the space between on the professional casual network. Uh, check out uh, grim podcast of Paler's adventure, a Warhammer fantasy role play, actual play. Uh, that Dan hosts on the Professional Casual Network as well as his um, actual read uh, audio drama of, of the book he wrote, Big Fiction Energy, which goes over the the novel Lanny Girl Without Fear. Check out Ben on the Carton cast as well on uh, FancyBad.com. Uh, they just had an episode go up uh, just today. They talk a lot uh, about uh, Doctor Who lore. Of Doctor Who. <laughs> oh, well, um, and well, you can also Tim, check him out you, in the Lost Omens. Tim, you love Doctor Who, right? How many times have you listened to that episode already? Um, <laughs> moving on. Uh, moving on. Uh, you, can, you can also check out Ben on the Lost Omens podcast, uh, currently on the Patreon for the Professional Casual Network, soon to be released uh, in the next couple months uh, for everyone to enjoy. And there's Craiger. You can check out Craiger on Wreck My Podcast, uh, which is the Latin version of, uh, or Latin terminology for the Wreck My Craiger show, where usually Craiger is on it and it is good. Uh, sometimes Krigger is not on it. There's this guy named Jordan and his fucking wife or whatever. And they talk about George of the jungle and it's, it's fucking dumb. But when Krigger's on it, it's fucking lit. Actually, Cam's even pretty good too. I kind of yeah. like him, but that is it for us here. We'll see you next week and enjoy. Thanks so much for listening. Why don't you go and check out all the other great shows that the professional casual network has to offer including Season 1 of The Space Between Presents I Saw a Tiger, which follows the Netflix smash series Tiger King and details the acid-washed antics of Joe Exotic, Carol Baskin, Jeff Lowe, as well as others. This season, we're taking a deep, dark dive into the four-part Netflix docuseries Jeffrey Epstein, Filthy Rich. Big Fiction Energy is our audio drama pod in which Tim, Danny, and myself tell the story of Lainey, the Girl Without Fear, a fantasy novel by Dan. A grim podcast of perilous adventure is the Professional Casual Network's Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay Actual Play podcast. We're playing through The Enemy Within, which is widely considered one of the best campaigns of any RPG. Join Dan as the GM as Danny, Tim, Alexander P. Nelson, and JB try to survive the perils of the old world. And if you needed more deep dives, also check out The Space Between, which is a discussion and review of the best games, comics, and nerd movies of today and yesteryear. We also have Elite Eight Showdown, with high-octane host Big Chuck and his research team. Join him while he financially ruins his partner Tim and completes an eight-team tournament bracket that could be about anything and everything. Lastly, we have Professionally Asked, Casually Answered, a totally real, totally fake advice show where we take questions and topics from you, our listeners, and do our best not to completely ruin your lives. Danny, where could people follow us or ask us questions for Professionally Asked, Casually Answered? I'm so glad you asked that, Tim. You can go ahead and email us questions. Our email address is theprofessionalcasual at gmail.com. You can also follow us and message us on Instagram at theprofessionalcasual. On Facebook, we're facebook.com slash professionalcasual. Twitter, we're at top tier casual. 
Our website is theprofessionalcasual.com. On Patreon, you can find us at patreon.com slash professionalcasual. And you can also check out Lindsay's Instagram at lindsayfphotography, where you can check out all of her great photos of abandoned places and events. What are some other things that people could find on our Patreon, Danny? They can find Sarah's doodles. They can find different vlogs. They can find lots of polls. I know Big Chuck's got a ton of stuff up there. It's all just a wild time. Extra bonus content, all of those things. 